podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm the deputy. Yes, Deputy Alexander Roshenko, son of Worf, <laughs> House of Moog, is with us. <laughs> also, I guess. Kel- anyway. Kelleher? He's got so much, uh, so many names, really. Ha! 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 Oh, boy. We could use the laughs. <laughs> We, we need them sometimes. Uh, how's everybody's August going? Hope it went well because it's the last day. <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your August while you can. It does feel like the uh, the weather is changing a little faster. Well, I thought that, Andy, and then I was outside, uh, you know, yesterday and the day before, and it was uh, brutal. Is in hot? Yeah. Oh, I don't go outside anymore, so I wouldn't. What would, what, brutal as in what would, describe what else it might be. I guess in L.A. it would never be cold. <laughs> no. it, it would be cold at night sometimes, but you would never describe oh, it as you'd brutal. Oh, you'd say, yeah, no, I would say it's like, uh, oh, it was chilly last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <never> say brutal. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> uh, sometimes, like, if I was outside and under prepared for, like, the tank chain, like, if you're ever doing a night shoot, like, yeah. you know, then I'd be like, oh, it's fucking freezing, when reality is it's not that cold. Am I correct in assuming, even all these years in L.A., you're still a Boston boy who doesn't care as much about, you, you the, the heat is much worse than the cold. Oh, I hate the heat. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah. I don't like it, Andy. I think it's bad for everybody involved. Yeah. I don't, I don't, because you can't do anything about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, at, at least in the point, winter, sure. you can go outside and yeah. layer up. Right. Put on some mittens. That's true. You know, maybe you want to, okay, wow, Are you it's a really cold. Guy? I'm just uh, describing uh, uh, another item of clothing. <laughs> no, I got on. it. I got it. Big old boots, you know? Yeah. You know, right. put on a, put on a, put on a parka. Right. Maybe some goggles. Heat, heat a rock with your phaser. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sure. But I think the then you go you can always get warmer. You can always add more. But then with the heat, it's like that's it. Yeah. You're done. You're done at at skin. I think I've turned into a little bit more of a a little old man out here. In what over sense? time. I think that I when I came out here, I was more like well, I don't care. I don't care how cold it is, make it cold. And uh and now I'm like, it's chilly. I need more blankets. Oh. I'm desperate, desperate for the weather to go real, to really change. Well, it's about I'm like, to. I'm I genuinely... feel like it's doing it far too early. So I think you're in shape. I understand no. you say yesterday was brutal. I'm genuinely just... happy for uh, like a month of the year here. Maybe the climate changes will make the. Has there ever been a sci-fi film like this where it shifts? Daily, they always have the hot planet or the cold planet. I, I mean, feel like that's what we're heading towards. That's called New England. Is it what New England is? Like? I mean, like it's like it was like it was like I was watching the Red Sox game and it was like ninety three and it felt like a hundred and five because of the humidity. 
And I was like, good <laughs> But God. isn't that because the the planet is exploding? Yeah, but then like every winter now, it's like the hot record snowfall <laughs> and fucking Arctic chill, Arctic blasts. But is that also because like, was it that way in your youth? But what I'm saying, no, no. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, it's already Boston's kind of already oh. like that. Oh, I see. You're saying it's, like your that it's already movie. the apocalypse there. I got your you. sci-fi pitch. You don't right. need to do it. Just, just remake Cheers. You're gonna be right. fine. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it now. It's time to do things like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Should you watch the episode? <laughs> which I don't know why that sound is suddenly missing. It's a mystery, just like the episode. That Lots sound, of intrigue. That, oh, here it is. Nope. That's, <laughs> that's just the trumpet. Wait, did I cut that sound in half? I did. did. Climate change? Oh, you did. Crazy. I cut it in half just to give you a trumpet. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go, everybody. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the last one, particularly. Thank you. Hit the post perfectly. Please. Uh, all right. So that's that. And let's head over to the Admirals Club. Go to leave a five-star review and join the Admirals Club. Just a heads up. Oh. Oh, uh, no. Uh, do this first. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't want to screw things up for everybody. Matt, how did they get into the Admirals Club? <laughs> well, Andy, it's in the song. You just go ahead over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and you're in. You're in, baby. Um, before I read them, um, uh, Matt and I uh, have been, uh, you know, we've been uh, sporadic at best with, the, with our podcast. We're going to try and... We're we're sort of make we're we're doubling down. We have a schedule. We're gonna. We don't know that the schedule will will, will result in actually when the uh, podcasts go up, but uh, we're gonna be trying to do things more regularly. We you know I I've I'm mad I haven't uh, I haven't bothered you with the uh, with too many of the uh, the hails, but people have been uh, everything from concerned to uh, disgruntled. Very few of you are disgruntled. We really appreciate your lack your of disgruntledness. Your disgruntledness is fine. I get it. I've been disgruntled before. Um, and we're also going to uh, get on a more regular schedule. We always get your Patreon uh, podcast before the end of the month, but sometimes they're stacked up near the end, and we're going to be trying to get them more regularly out. Your I would argue that they're stacked, the... they're stacked at both ends. They bookend the month usually. Yeah, that's fair. Because at the beginning of the month, we're yeah. like, "All right, Here get our go. roll our sleeves the, up." Essentially, at the beginning of the month, we say <laughs> to ourselves what Andy is saying to you all now, right? Every single month. So, yes. take that with the uh, however you'd like, <laughs> and we will continue to try to do our best to make this podcast happen for you, Andy. Who are the admirals this week? From well, Lieutenant in the Nobody. Club. You're not yes. an admiral. No, I thought they are admirals. At what? some point, you said they are admirals, but they are not presidents in the president circle. I thought they were just allowed to make. <laughs> Look, it's this uh, is your what? this is your game. What, however, you wanna you wanna promote or or uh, or demote I think them. I think, I think you're allowed access to the admirals club, right? To hang it. with the admirals. Yeah, so I don't know why not, you would want to hang with those jerk offs, but uh, well, because they'll call you by your first name, and you'll feel that's at ease. true. That is friendly. Interestingly, the president. Yeah, I guess the president circle would be more lavish than the uh, 
the oh, yeah. Animals Club. Um, Lieutenant Nobody writes us, um, who's also known as Jonathan P. Uh, probably the most organic and fun review podcast on Star Trek out there. Matt is seasoned and wise in the ways of Trek. Andy is oblivious and nubile. They're both avid fans who begrudgingly carry us through episodes of our favorite shows, offering opinions and insights we never knew we wanted. Never scripted, barely edited. It's barely. like having it's like having a Star Trek watch party with two good friends. Barely is that's even yeah, that is an generous, overstatement. A generous <laughs> well, and thank you the for sec- that review. Thank you, John Jonathan. John Othen. He's spelling it J O N O T H E N. It's like uh, he's he's like the new Jimmy Walker. Jono then. He's like I got a new catchphrase. Jono fan. <laughs> Kids look that up uh and you'll get that joke. Otherwise our medium median age group <laughs> listening to the podcast definitely enjoyed it. Somebody wrote in to tell us on the on the uh Patreon uh Hey, this might skew your age, but I'm 40. And I'm like, isn't 40 the middle <laughs> of our age group? We assume. Um who knows? Um, the second one is we assume from... you're all bogged down by life and thusly listening to this podcast. So yes, well, and that that crosses all age groups. Beleaguered is uh, is not an age group in the modern world. The second one is from Dog in Profile Photo, who writes uh, second only to their podcast about Stargate SG One. Two hours. Uh, <laughs> For five minutes about Star Trek. Played at 1.2 times normal speed, and they are tolerable. But he gave us five stars. 1.25. You can't do 1.2. Can you? Maybe you have a special yeah. program. I mean, that. you you use Downcast, right? And I think you can on that. Yeah, when I listen to podcasts very, 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 very sparingly. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can only do it on Audible. No, you can you can you can multiply, you can do it, you can speed speed listen. I just didn't know if you could do it at the the incremental like that. I don't know why I don't know why we're encouraging them to do this. Um, whatever gets, whatever you, to gets you, yeah, whatever gets you. That's fair. That way you can listen to more episodes. Uh, that's it for the Admirals Club, pal. Oh well, that was fun. Let's head over to the President's Circle then. Hello, we're in here. It's great. Hi. Good to see you all. Uh, we'll get to some business shortly, but first uh, we got some medals to give out. Uh, we had them made in a replicator. Hope you enjoy them. They're made of plastic. Uh, okay, so we like to give out Christopher Pike Medal of Valor Award to enjoyable comments from uh, those who... Uh, care to support the show and comment in our president circle over on patreon you can you can get over there get up to four new podcasts every month it's really a hoot if you need uh, 12 more hours of us <laughs> it's there don't, don't say that in such a uh, a cynical way like it's a chore it's not 12 it's, it's actually probably three two 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 it's yeah wow it's seven eight nine it's nine hours of us wow sometimes sometimes more sometimes less we're very inconsistent as far as how long we talk 
chances are longer than you thought. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I feel like you drive it. I feel like uh, you are you're the captain of this podcast. We're always like, all right. Yeah. We can go. You want to go at warp five? You want to go at warp seven? Whatever you want to do. I'm just picking up the vibes, you know. Right. I just. I just. I just you feel like you're picking up the vibes of the uh, the listeners. No, of of uh, our two brains. I see. And and just letting, you know. We're, we're just we're just the the podcast is our wind. We are but sails. <laughs> Um, most poetic thing you've ever said. <laughs> now, Andy, who's getting a Medal of Valor? Uh, great and Terrible Lizak, uh, longtime supporter of the show. She's going to have uh, like a trophy case full of these. Did she get one before? I, I feel like she, she did. Has. Look, if you're, you're gotta, not limited to one. You can look, get as many as you want. If you have there, the we comment, got a lot of OCD comment. listeners. If anybody wants to make us make me a no. list of all the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardees, I'll try and steer away from giving the same ones to the same people. No, nope, it should just um, be based solely on their comment. Um, okay, fair enough. So you're saying like it's like a great, you know, a great uh, sportsman, great athlete. You know, if 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 Muhammad Ali keeps winning, then it's just yeah. because he's the best. You know. It's not like we say. Um, it's not like we say. Calm down, Glenn Close. Not this time. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lizak says so. I could write an entire article on this. It's also off topic to add uh, to add to the absurdity. Um, uh, and multiple people have, but Andy is right about Grimaldi's Pizza having a management change. It is a long saga involving multiple lawsuits and multiple restaurant name changes. It hinges on the legal restrictions prohibiting the building of new coal-fired pizza ovens. And pizza is so iconic that it merits special dispensation to do just that. My sister spent 20 minutes explaining the entire legend to me over the phone. What a family. I want to be in that family. We're talking about the history of uh, pizzas. Uh, but it boils down to this. Having lost the rights to the name Patsy's and sold the rights to the name Grimaldi's, Patsy Grimaldi came out of retirement at age 81 and opened the, uh, this new restaurant literally, literally right next door to the still operating fake Grimaldi's and named it after his mother. <laughs> Thus, if you want original Grimaldi's, which plenty of us Brooklynites still refer to as Patsy's, you just need to go to Juliana's, which I believe I have. I believe I've been to all three, the original, the new Grimaldi's, and Juliana's. And I don't, it's been a while. So I believe the Giuliana's was good. I believe the original was probably better than both. Well, enjoy your pizza-shaped Medal of Valor. Because I think they didn't, they don't have the oven. I think the oven is different at Giuliana's, if I'm mis, not mistaken. Anyway, uh, I feel like uh, our, our, our friend in the Admiral's Club has already proved himself right now about this being an off-topic Star Trek podcast. Uh, that's it for the um, Medal of Valor. And now we will go to the Priority One messages. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, Andy. What, what are the patrons saying about this past episode? Gambit Part One. Gambit Part 1, Archer Palms, a.k.a. Vertiginousness, writes, uh, so this was in response to um, our question about, uh, I think, phasers shooting off and missing. Um, 
or maybe it was about torpedoes. Anyway, he's got a lot of information here. A I torpedo think it was in reference to this phaser question. Hey, Matt and Andy, uh, this is James from Wyoming. I just had a question uh, because in an upcoming TNC episode, spoilers, Picard and Data have to go track down a errant torpedo that flies off and doesn't hit its target. But when the Enterprise fires phasers and they miss their target, how far do those travel? Does it just keep traveling until it hits something, like a planet millions of light years away? Or does it just eventually uh, fizzle out? That was all. Thank you very much. And uh, disengage! There you go. I love a concise question or comment. Um, anyway, Archer Palms writes, A torpedo has to get momentum, whether from an internal engine or from the device slash mechanism firing it. Once it is launched, it keeps its momentum unless it collides or is affected by the gravitational force of a large enough object. My understanding is phasers are a form of light like lasers. Each individual photon of light would be aimed and focused to stay close together and form a beam. However, since it is a focused beam of light, even the slightest difference in how they are aligned would cause them to slowly drift apart over distances, especially the vast distances of space. So eventually, even if it takes light years of distance, it would just be a single photon of light eventually. Additionally, so yeah. would the best defense for a phaser fire be some big mirrors? I, it seems like that would work, right? <laughs> it seems like someone, ha, so one of the Federation's the enemies would have thought about that. Deploy the mirrors, Lieutenant! That would be so hilarious if a little hand mirror robot arm comes out in front of a bird of prey. Um, um, additionally, each individual photon could ricochet off uh, even the smallest piece of space dust when fired close range. There are millions of other photons of light that are right behind it to strike the target, but again, over time, they would dissipate. Disruptors in my head cannon are types of superheated plasma so that the same interaction with space dust would slowly absorb the heat just like how a cool breeze takes the heat off your skin when it comes into contact. So torpedoes being a sol solid object, it's the only one that has to be worried about uh, as it is the only option that stays coherent and solid over distance. However, I imagine most projectile weapons would have a cutoff switch if it travels past a safe distance. That's interesting. That was never been discussed, but that makes sense. There would be a default setting that is realistic for a firefight level or orbital bombardment level of distance. It could manually be set to turn that setting off so it could travel forever or increase the range before cutoff. I'm thinking JJ verse into darkness when the Admirable, Admiral wanted them to fire Kronos all the way from the Federation border. Oh, did that happen? That's a really interesting thought too. Perhaps someone in the military would have more information about that regarding missile weaponry in the real world. Um, okay. I would also think they might load it up, a torpedo, that is, with a self-destruct mechanism at a certain point because couldn't other species, you know, kind of go, oh, we've got this inert torpedo. Let's reverse engineer it and make our own. Or is it good, a monetary good point. issue? Good point. They must have a self-destruct. Like the Kazon. Yep, everybody's favorite Star Trek alien race, the Kazons. <laughs> I know you guys are. That's the real reason you're frustrated if you're not in the president's circle watching Voyagers. Uh, you can't get some of those Kazons. Um, 
Cam writes, what's the process for picking a new captain when one dies? Is it dead man's boots only? After Picard was Borgified, Riker became captain immediately, including the Rankin Pips. This time, Riker is now in command, but he's still a commander. Would they have made it official in time, or is Riker just going to fill in until a new captain comes along? Parentheses, Jellico. Uh, I think it was a field promotion during during the Borg stuff. So it was a legit field promotion to captain, uh, granted by an admiral. So that's why he got the extra pip. So you need a superior officer? I believe what you're so, saying? yeah. Uh, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison, who uh, has been, is in the Naval Forces, uh, says, uh, it's always seemed to me that Trek writers didn't care about this stuff. It is whatever works for the story. Data in command is always so amazing. Uh, Data. separate. Data. Jesus. (laughs) Kardashian? (laughs) Everybody just turned it off. Can you believe this? Diana? Um, look, I have a lot of blind spots, puns, faces, names. I, I just, anything that has to do with, uh, sex jokes, uh, I have a malfunctioning brain, you know, get sung in there, have him fix me. Um, data in command is always so amazing. So it is even more weird when he isn't in command and is confused, questioning himself, etc. Um, uh, Cam also adds on the Abrams movies and disco constantly refer to the naval practice of whoever is in charge being called captain despite the rank which I'm not even sure is true uh, and make it a massive plot point that they keep going back to meanwhile in TNG it's eh whatever also Picard Galen insists this is regarding Gambit 1 that he's the only one who can analyze the artifact so he's indispensable. Is he? All he's doing is putting things on a table and telling the computer to do a thing. Maybe he programmed it to do the thing, but now he's done that. He seems pretty superfluous to me, especially since he keeps mouthing off to Baran and is also the world's worst covert operative. Is he saying Galen is the worst covert operative? uh, I think that no one bothers to go check in on how Galen's, like, everyone gets, I think... He just somehow fooled them, and then that's no. I think every time someone comes down to like watch him, he bores them to death. Like he uses (laughs) his skills of boring. That's a genius. That's espionage tactic. Yeah, and then everyone's like, "All right, well, uh, all right, Galen, I'm I'm gonna go now." And then Baran's like, "Did you find anything out about how Galen was scanning the artifacts?" And then you're like, "I did, but I don't know." He started talking and. I had to go. <laughs> don't don't send me back down there. Uh, I guess he's like the uh, the energy vampire guy on. Uh... Yeah, and what we do in the shadows. Uh, but you know, if if uh, it'd be funny if instead of the neural uh, thingamajiggy, the belt pain stick thing he has, if he just sent people, if they if they defied his orders, uh, he could just send them to go talk to Galen as punishment. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's the way he maintains control of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do this. You're gonna go <laughs> ask Galen how his work is progressing. Yeah, a lot less mouthing off. People are fucking mouthing off constantly on that ship for someone who's got a with for a captain that's got a a pain thing. Um, Lieutenant Adam Rogers writes uh, touched on it during the pod, but I love how last week Jordy wanting to send one unmanned probe to look for his missing mom, and he's crazy with grief. 
Riker wants to take the Federation's flagship with a thousand people to go find the people that killed Picard, and it's all good, weird. <laughs> and then Andrew Gibson adds on, so how the hell are the rest of the thousand plus people on the ship, all of them consummate professionals, except Mott the Barber, supposed to feel when their uh, planned itinerary is diverted so the command crew can play at being undercover officers? This is something that occurred to me, too. Well, I think you're just, you're on the ship. It's probably in the fine print when you sign up to uh, either be on a transport from somewhere to somewhere or, like, you know, once you agree to be on the ship, it's like, you can, all right, and we'll do our best to get you from point A to point B, but sometimes we may have to solve (laughs) non-murders. Unless we're on Voyager, and then we gotta solve them almost weekly. Uh... Lieutenant Dick Warlock, Esquire, writes, The Star Trek TNC opening is my all-time favorite podcast opening. The line, to boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before, is a great hook and is what initially drew me in to become a regular listener and patron. Um, I'm curious, though, why did you choose the word contrived in the intro when saying to seek out new life and contrived civilizations? I understand the meaning of the word is as being created, but it has taken on a negative connotation in general criticism. A critic, as I'm sure you know, may refer to a plot movie, a movie plot as being contrived, yeah. as waves, etc. So whenever I hear that word in your intro, there's a tick in the back of my brain that makes me feel like it's a knock on the Star Trek universe. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure that's not the intention... To avoid this, and then he has a suggestion to seek out new life in spacey civilizations or wow, <laughs> wow, far out civilizations. This is why I'm not a writer. Uh, Andy wrote the, that intro. That is not that is true, except for that line, which was your line. Oh, I don't. Uh, but anyway, because I had no point of reference, I couldn't say what kind of civilizations they were. Oh, so, yeah, I said contrived in the sense that they are contrived for the sake of the plots. That's really all I was saying about it. It wasn't. It wasn't an. I int- uh, see. I always read it as. I mean, I when you when you came up with that part, I was like, all right, that's a big swing. I don't. I don't. I don't know the show, so I can't say. Uh-huh. Um, you're speaking with knowledge. I sort of took it to be. You're setting the. You're. you're it's almost like a uh, an alert. A a warning label on the podcast of. There's going to be some good natured ribbing and which there is and critique of this show. Yeah. Um, so I interpret I, I did not I interpreted it to be to to be uh, uh you know a very light knock on Star Trek. It is, and it comes from a place of love. Sure, but like um, the contrivances of Star Trek are are bountiful, right? And you know, it, it, <laughs> obviously in the best of the episodes, it's very organic and not yeah. But like down to you know, I, I'm just trying to even think of an example right now well the i don't know if this fits but the uh the um you know just the the constant um when they when they name anything you know made up word word you know pattern yeah contrivance yes and i think like you know having alien races that are there to do something just at the service of the plot like um the one where the uh, the, the, bl- the half black half white faces sure <laughs> or like the one where uh, Wesley Crusher fell in love with that bear princess <laughs> that was pretty contrived <laughs> which aspect was contrived that he fell in love with her or that she was a bear that that was their part like there's <laughs> always like the classic contrivance is 
We welcome to this planet. The haves and the have-nots are here. Right. And now you must face humans' own history. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, I think we all know who will listen to this podcast that is done with uh, love and also cynicism. So it's a combo. Um, Lieutenant Daniel Weiss, or Weiss writes, uh, I would give almost anything to watch Andy watch Sub Rosa. Um, you don't have to do. You don't have to give anything. You just wait. It's coming, season seven, baby. Well, I think he's saying actually watch me, and I'm trying to think if that would be. I know that they on Twitch they do a bunch of you know people playing video games, which I don't understand how that's entertaining, but they people love it. They do reactiony. Uh, they do. They do. Um, I guess I would have to do a more of like, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Now, yeah, I mean, but like people do that all the time for like Marvel trailers and stuff, and like watch my reaction to right. The Luke showing up in this thing. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, you know, but people have like have their reactions filmed, right? Like a, like a Twitch thing, right? Yeah. So I think you can just go on. You can just stream on Twitch and be like, "I'm watching Sub Rosa." I actually think there is a thing on. Since this is a patron, uh, I think there is a thing on Patreon that I can film myself. So I can look into that. I can't guarantee what the quality will be. Um, in terms of my my reactions, I may forget that <laughs> it's a skill that I have to build up amongst the other podcast skills that I've never built up over hundreds of episodes. Lieutenant Brandon Davis writes: Is the Cantina in Federation space? What are the territories in TNG? Federation, Klingon, Romulan, Ferengi, and unclaimed? <laughs> this is a really good question. <laughs> Matt, any idea? I mean, I think there are systems that are not, you know, I think there are systems in Federation space that are not necessarily members of the Federation. That's right. Best I can, that's best I can tell you. Beyond um, that, I don't really, that I don't really know question. or understand because, you know, it's, it might be a little contrived. Seems like everything would be claimed by somebody. Um, or everything in the you know the known quadrants. Um, Mister the Ultimate Trekker writes: No Remy LeBeau bullshit. Gambit, the X Men character. Yes, who kinetically charges playing cards and throws them. Not just playing cards, but that's just what he uses. Because it's the coolest. Yes, it is, Monami. Have they done Gambit in any of the X Men movies? They were going to do a standalone Gambit movie that was going to star. I'm shocked that they have it. It's like he's basically star, the uh, the venom of the X Men world. What's his face? Who was going to be in it? I'm trying to think of somebody. Magic young Mike, and... handsome Magic Mike guy, who's not oh, Joe Manganiello. Um, Channing Tatum. That's the guy. He was doing it. He was going to do it. And then, he would be great for it. And then in the middle of all of that, it, uh, Disney bought it. It was like, mm, no. Oh, poor Channing Tatum. What will happen to Channing Tatum? <laughs> uh, I hope he makes a, I hope he makes the best of the situation. Uh, Trek Barnes writes, Admiral Chakotay, uh, <laughs> his, his name made an appearance in the last episode, also appears on DS9. Nice touch. And I always thought that Chakotay from Voyager should have been an admiral that resigned to join the Maki. Maki. 
I don't know how to pronounce that either. That alone would have elevated any potential conflict between him and Janeway. He would have been uh, her first officer still since he had quit and it was her ship, but he could have been the voice of experience disagreeing with her from time to time, which he is anyway. But I totally agree that that would have been in some ways a more even face-off between him and, and Janeway. Yeah, if he was a something, it was if he was beyond commander, if he was a captain, like that he had at one world. point outranked her. I mean, but this fits with the same thing as Paris that that it would work much better if he was a Nick Laterno. Is that his name? Lacarno. Lacarno. Lacarno is a better name. Uh, Lieutenant Alec writes, uh, oh my God, Andy's you're like a betazoid that o- only causes aggravation comment to Matt is possibly the best line of the entire podcast to date. Thank you, Alec. Thank you. I don't remember it, but that sounds about right. It's a good answer. I don't remember it either. It's only when people relay things that I've said that I ever find myself funny. And that's why I read it. Uh, that's it. For the president circle, because <laughs> I hate myself so much that I can only—it's only—and usually when people relay stuff to me, they'll just say the quote, thinking, "Oh, he'll remember this," and I'll go, "That's great." What's the, who said that? Like you did. Like oh, let's get it. I guess, I guess I'm funny when I. <laughs> you can talk through the door. It's fine. It's very, it's a very loud door. You gotta walk, know, you know. You can talk through the door. It's fine. If you're not, it's like you're having a conversation with the people who are back in the president's club. We're, we're, I don't know if that that door is good for a walk and talk. It's very loud. Look, it is what it is, and we're gonna have to make do with the doors we got. That's just the facts. Okay, let's. We're in the corridor. Open up the hail bag. I would like to very much. Captain, we are being hailed. E. Darnell Smith writes, Hey, fellas, two quick points. Actually, there are three quick points because I added another one from his from a different hail. Uh, Andy mentioned how Admiral Chakotay may let Riker do whatever as he's the hero of Wharf 359, which got me thinking, aren't Wolf. these guys... Re- Wolf, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really... I'm really on fire today. You know what it is? It's a morning podcast. War 359 is a great battle. I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I like it. War 359. Finally, I'm getting my due. Um, Wolf 359, which got me thinking. Uh, I'm the oblivious one. Remember, guys? Uh, aren't these guys renowned at this point? You think when the bad guys captured Riker and he pretends to be a bad officer, they do a future Google search and see his recent exploits uh, prove he's a Starfleet golden boy. Plus, wouldn't the Vulcan intelligence officer, Robin Curtis, take one look at Galen and say, holy shit, that's Jean-Luc Picard. I recognize him because I'm Vulcan intelligence. Do you want to respond to each of these points in, well, in time? I'll just go backwards. She's not Vulcan intelligence, we find out. She's one of the separatists. Good point. Uh, and we're back up a little bit further. I would argue... That the it's if 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 one of the members of SEAL Team Six were to show up at my house and have like for a party, yeah, uh, or a situation a scenario I would not expect a Navy SEAL team to be, I wouldn't uh-huh. know who the fuck they were. Right, you know what I mean. 
And that's the most famous equivalent I can think of is like the guys who did the raid and killed Osama bin Laden. However, they also, and I think I've commented on this before, they also have like nobody knows what Kirk, about Kirk and the crew, even though they, they basically saved Earth. So it feels like people would know who they were. What do you mean? Like at the beginning of TNG, it's, you know, with Naked Now, it's like, oh, yes, the Enterprise. They don't see Yeah, that. but like the Enterprise, obviously, you know, did at least 79 really cool, important missions. Right. That's how many episodes there were. Um, so you can't remember all of them all the time. Mm. And I feel like one where like, another ship had a disease and they also got the disease, but Dr. McCoy fixed the disease is not really going to chart. No, I understand that they wouldn't remember the specific incident. I just feel like they seem to not really be that familiar with the crew itself. And I feel like from all their adventures, which is Darnell's point, I feel the crew would, you know, the, the current, the TNG crew would know about the TOS crew. They'd be like, of course, Uh, I don't know. Maybe. That's my take. Maybe. That's Secunda's take. <laughs> Somebody make a jingle. Um, number two, when Data, Data, yes, tells Riker <laughs> shouldn't lead the away team. He's laughing at me. I thought that a more interesting version of this uh, may be either Data being captured and his quote gambit is having to pretend he's malfunctioned again <laughs> or been being controlled by someone else i guess it could be that to um and whom? then th- sorry who is he pretending that to to the rebel crew to the, uh, uh, the to the smugglers i think He's basically saying switch out data for Riker and then have Riker data be like yes now I or acting like he's lore essentially um, number three, and this is from Interface, uh, but I thought it was a good point. Uh, quick trivia. You mentioned how the first female Starship captain was a black woman. She was uh, played by the same actress who played Geordie's mother, Madge Sinclair. Also, FYI, there's a Roots connection. Madge Sinclair, LeVar Burton, and Ben Vereen, Geordie's father, were all in the original miniseries. Also, Roots-related. The Christmas movie called Roots the Gifts starred LeVar Burton, Avery, Bur- Avery Brooks, Kate Mulgrew, and Tim Russ. What a Star Trek coincidence. Cavalcade. Um, there is a hail, uh, voice hail that I just dropped into the Dropbox. I can read another hail in the meantime if you want to take a second to dig when it up. When did you do that? I just did it now because I forgot. See it. All right. In the meantime, Andre Kane, Andre Crank Kane. Oh man, my mouth. Um, <laughs> dear Aunt Mike and Andy. That's that's what it says. I did not write it. I guess it's no, no, no. I don't care. Dear Mike and Andy's fine. What I'm my, my whole thing of what I'm fascinated by right now is is the fact that you can't speak in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't. Andy has forgotten how to speak. If he oh, there you go. Nice to speak. That's mm. <laughs> me. Uh, I don't know where this. Where is it? Sorry, it's not in today's sounds. It's in Jesus. Oh, it is in today's sounds. Sorry, I, I put and it in it's called sounds. what? 
saucer saucer section. section? Oh, that's rude. That's right. Why would you call it our most hated thing? Well, he he covers it. Hi there, uh, Andy. Hi there, man. Uh, this is uh, Zachariah Seville up here from uh, Ottawa, Canada. Uh, used to be a lieutenant. I will be coming back into the fold at some point, but uh, just taking a break for a while. I just wanted to answer your query about um, other places that people had been when they were listening to Trek. I think either living or maybe on vacation is what I thought you were getting at. I wanted to say that uh, I listened to a few of your guys' episodes in 2018 when I was in Japan, and a new episode dropped when I got to Singapore about a week or two later, and I was very, very angry and disappointed because that happened to be the time when you guys did the saucer section, and I believe the episode was Brothers. And I distinctly remember downloading it and go, oh, that downloaded very fast, but I didn't see the time code. And then I realized when I was on the metro in Singapore trying to go to get food at a lovely hockey soccer center that all it was was the hail. And I was so angry on that subway, freaking out, kind of silencing myself. I must have looked insane to everybody there. Uh, I just wanted to point that out, though. It was funny because I was listening to backed episodes the whole time when I was going on walks in Tokyo and Kyoto. And then when I finally get a new episode, it was the goddamn saucer section. But thanks. Love the show, guys. Appreciate all the good work, and I'm glad that you're back. Just wanted to point that out because it popped into my head when you mentioned it. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, live long and prosper, everybody. That is uh, that is very funny. That, to me, is the most logical explanation for hatred of the saucer section. Everything else even, was just sort of like, just download the next remember. one. But if you're in a subway, yeah, then... I don't remember why I did it. <laughs> I don't remember why I thought... Oh, you did it because... Because people were annoyed about how long the hails were taking. Right. And some people liked the hails, and I was like, well, if I separate them, then the fucking complainy people don't have to complain. Right. And the non-complainy people can just hit play on the next episode. And uh, as a result, uh, I ruined everybody's life, particularly those who were overseas. I think you only ruined the people's life who are the most vocal, unfortunately, for you. <laughs> well, I mean, look. The, Much the, like the internet. The time code seems to help people. Yes. If you want to skip, there's a time code on the podcast description. Um, film Trek versus TV Trek in film female portrayals from Andre Kane. Dear Mike and Andy, I was surprised that in your Gambit recap that you failed to mention the largely sexist way in, uh, the writers forced Troy and Crusher to use feminine wiles and play along with outdated tropes to get information and assistance from alien males. Sadly, this was a continuation of how the females, female officers were used in unification and chain of command. Thankfully, TV's Trek portrayals of women has progressed steadily since TOS. If this had been DS9, Kira would have beaten the men within an inch of the man within an inch of his life to get the intel. However, film Trek is another matter. In TOS, uh, Uhura is such a non-presence until the final film. She doesn't even have a first name. Nicholas Meyer, uh, Myers, uh, Meyer? Uh, reduced her competency in Trek 6 over Nichelle Nichols' objections by taking away her linguistic skills on service of a joke. Is that true? Yeah, don't they don't know that. Klingon, and they're all searching through books to try to communicate with the Klingon uh, checkpoint. Oh, that is bonkers. Marina Sirtis has logged more screen time in her appearances than any other film actress, but her storylines involved around being forced to crash the Enterprise twice. 
uh, her romance and marriage with Riker. Um, and then there's a trigger word for the thousandth time. Um, uh, she and Crusher barely pass the Bechdel Wallace test, but their alone conversation in the TNG films consist of gossiping about their boobs and being mean girls to data. Zoe Saldana's Nayota Uhura, my close, uh, started off promising in Trek 09. Uhura got her uh, first name, and she was written as a technical and linguistic wonderkin. She had a sense of humor, ambition, and personality, and she demonstrated professional competency. However, in subsequent films, she was given nothing to do, and she devolved into a bitchy, screechy girlfriend whom Spock placed a tracking device on so he could spy on her. How is it Trek, TV Trek, can produce complex feminine characters like Kira Dex and Janeway, but film Trek can still feel like an episode of Mad Men. Matt, if you and Andy were given the reins of the franchise, how would you fix this problem? Guys, please diagnose and treat. <laughs> Regards, Andre Kane. Uh, how would I fix the problem? I would just ignore the problem entirely and just write an organic story. And also, yes, to, that, I think what I thought you were going to say is, is ignore so. the problem entirely and just write the female characters the same way you write the male characters, which is, I think that was the blind spot that threw out Trek when it's a, a male-dominated room and, and a male-run male, male run show that I think here's sometimes a, they're, they're just not even seeing what they're doing. Here's a fun screenwriting exercise for everybody out there. Go ahead, take all your characters on your thing you've written and flip the genders and read read your story and see if it still works if it still works good job if it doesn't work you fucked up i think that's a good exercise um i would also i don't i don't think that this is an accusatory email i think he's just he's just uh, pointing stuff out but uh regard in regards to the troy and crusher thing i think we've we, we've said at length how they're uh they're mistreated as uh, as characters on the show and um and i think even on the idea of using their feminine wiles we've covered in previous episodes that in first contact troy is sort of put in a weird position in the bar and and in other episodes too um but anyhow uh, on a lighter note british 90s music scene um from andrew uh ricketts um, hey guys, been listening for a while. Love the show, chaos and all. Thought I would try and give a little context of the British charts in the era of TNG, which is baffling to you but hilarious to me, and no doubt for any other Brit from that time who listens. I was a teen during the '90s and was really into music then, seeing bands going to festivals. As uh, always, there was a huge variety of different UK rock and indie music, as well as a big US influence on the charts. However, this was at the dawn of lots of people going from going on holiday to Europe, particularly Spain, and their burgeoning club scene. Those people would bring uh, a lot of music back home with them. At the same time, teen pop music featuring either boy-girl bands or popular actors from Aussie soaps, see Kylie Minogue, has, had been growing in popularity since the 80s, were now also being sold to the newly embraced gay club scene. Couple uh, all of these with the increasingly multicultural UK population bringing Caribbean reggae and dancehall along with South Asian Bangra and you start getting a rather eclectic mix of sounds especially in Birmingham or London where all these cultures coexist. So one week top in the charts there would be the latest stock Aitken 
Aiken and uh, Waterman pop act. Uh, the next, an acid house early rave scene hit. The following, a U.S. soul group, etc. It was nuts, but really unpredictable and possibly the best time for music. The field was wide open. By the way, you listen to almost all of Relight My Fire, waiting for Lulu to come on, then skipped just as her amazing verse was about to start. LOL. All the best, Andrew Ricketts. And then John G. Um, uh, tags on uh, to answer Matt and Andy's question regarding what the hell was going on in the UK, UK pop, car, pop charts in the mid-90s. I would guess the answer to that is ecstasy. <laughs> and then Luke Morgan Rowe says, I think there's honestly no logical explanation. Uh, at around the same time, Mr. the Mr. Blobby song got to number one. Matt should pull it up on the pod. Batshit, I was nine at the time, made me question the val- virtue of democracy, which I think might be a number one coming up, but feel free to check it up if you want. Um, I don't want. Great. I want it to come organically. So that we can feel what the British were feeling. Thank you, you know what? I'm with you, pal. Then we have a prime corrective. Okay. And we're done. Uh, uh, oh, boy. I'm going to play that prime corrective sound any second. There it is. Time for a retrospective. These trophies are objective. It's a prime corrective because Matt and he got it wrong. What did Matt and Andy get wrong? Um, Matt and Andy, this is from Shauna Mandel. Uh, Matt and Andy, Troy is a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, unless she can prescribe Can't she, meds. Can she prescribe meds? I don't think we've ever seen it. Mm. Just plexing? That's all she can do is just tell you to do this? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't think that you need to be a psychiatrist for that. She does not need to be a doctorate or MD, just a master's or, uh, to be a counselor, at least we, if we go by earth practitioner rules. When it comes to meds, she might work with Crusher to maintain people's brain chemicals. Are there meds in the future in that sense? There must yeah, be, right? there are chemical imbalances that have to get corrected. That must be why everybody's so freaking well adjusted. They've figured out the witch science that is currently, you know, emotional meds and uh, i've been without mine for a week and a half right now and i gotta tell you not pleasant because you forgot to refill the prescription again yes and then i went and they were like oh sorry matt not ready even more than the podcast you got to stay on that i know i'm bad at it but here we are andy still doing a podcast can't you do a, a thing where they automatically send it to you no all right I've tried. No meds, Matt. <laughs> um, okay, that was the only thing that shocked me that I can It's remember. a good new character. <laughs> no meds, Matt. Yep. <laughs> um, if you would like to send a hail to us, send it to sctncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode uh, in the subject heading somewhere. Um, you can tweet Matt at Matt Myra and Instagram him there. You can Instagram me at, at Andrew Secunda. Tweet me at Secunda. And if you'd like, send a voice hail. 816-TREK-TNC. <laughs> really getting plugged back into the board. You're good. You're good. You're so, you're, you really took the baritone there. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I think it was slowed down, though. I don't even remember anything yeah. anymore. Yes. So that would do it for the hails. 
All right. So that means that it's now time to see what Mariah Carey song was number one. Because we're going to talk about the episode. So when I find... I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my God, Nacho. Where'd your, where'd your music go? Matt has asked no. for yet another jingle. I didn't ask for a jingle, Matt Nacho. Oh, God. There's, there's, so much, he... there's so much There's so much. Nacho <laughs> happening. Do you, do you want me to? <laughs> do you, what? Did it do? <laughs> what? Where'd it go? I think it might be in... No, I'm looking at my board. I'm not... Oh. God, it, it, there's a version of it in 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 today's sounds. If you want it, the up to date version. Mm. I would like to find it on my own here. Thusly, <laughs> uh, how is everybody's week? How are you doing? Good questions. Good questions. Um, in the interim, um, I believe that Kurtzman re-upped his deal. I don't know if we discussed in the interim that. of what. Since our last podcast. Is that true? I thought that already uh, happened. It might have already happened. Well, it's in it's in hands, everybody. The franchise is in hands. We're getting back to uh disco season three in uh at the lieutenant's level in the Patreon, if anybody's interested. Um two episodes a shot. It's long episodes. A lot of speeches. Guess I'm gonna have to pull it in. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TMC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. That's right, everybody. It's time to talk about this week's episode, Gambit Part 2, which aired the week after Gambit Part 1. The number one song in the UK is Relight My Fire. Um, the in Lulu the UK, part. if you want yeah. yeah, the number one song in the US is still Dream Lover. Wait, oh, you want me to play it? Sure. Wait, Dream Lover? What is happening? Do relight my fire and then click ahead to Lulu's solo. No, I'll solo. miss it. We're just going to listen to Mariah Carey forever because she's right, the number one on every fine, fucking fine. Star Trek podcast we do for some reason. Like, really. She's a perennial favorite. But, like, it's amazing because, like, it's through 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 different series, like, through decades. Yeah, it is insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Mariah... You've done it again. Chart topper, prolific songwriter, talented singer. I think this would be a really funny way to open a Star Trek movie. Like, instead of sabotage. <laughs> like, if that's what Kirk was listening to in the Corvette? Yeah. I love it. Why not? Or you, or you see the you see the Enterprise slowly enter frame with this music as, as the beginning. Um, so, number one song is obviously this. Uh, U.S., Song UK, Relate My Fire by featuring Lulu. Number one movie, Demolition Man. Number one book, Bridges of Madison County by James Robert James Waller. Number one TV shells. show that week. What's that? The Three Seashells. That's how you wipe your ass in Demolition Man. Remember, there's, three, remember there's not toilet paper. There's just three seashells. Oh. And they make fun of Sylvester Sloan. They go, you don't know how to use the three seashells? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of that's a good bit. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah. 
Uh, number one TV show that week, Roseanne uh, events. The Blue Jays beat the Phillies in six games to win the World Series. Gary Carter, World Series hero. So this is 93? Uh, correct. Wow. No World Series next year, guys. They went on strike. Oh, wow. Ironically, also, ironically, everybody, this you know the bargaining, collective bargaining agreement is up this oh. year for Major League Baseball. Interesting. You think it's going to be trouble? Will we have another strike? I think so. Are you going to pick it with them? Uh, with the, or do baseball players no. not pick it? Is that they, just the WGA? They do they pick it? That's a good question. I don't know. It seems it's been like so long. There would be a, a long circle around uh, of the ballparks. They would have to walk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do it outside the entrance to the commissioner's office. Everybody, get to New York. Um, all right, so that will do that. Then, then. I will say the following. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. And then click a button. Right? That's right. All right. Frank Sinatra, come on. It's time for that segment everybody hates. (laughs) Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Uh, Has anybody ever written in to actually hate that segment? I'm sure. I think it's the best segment in the world, so. Hey, fuck you all. I mean, I think that... You are all I long for. I think the... uh, the Admiral is... Bit, oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot to... Eh, it doesn't matter. I'll put it in the next one. Um, Gambit Part 2. Here we go. Frank is still on break this week. Let's see what our October 8th broadcast date turns up in Sinatra history. October 18th, 1957 marked the ABC television debut of the Frank Sinatra Show. His second and last TV series was, at the time, the most expensive half hour in television history. Wow. Frank was paid $3 million, That's why. Um, I was like, it's just him singing, isn't it? It's him and having some guests and kind of fucking around. Um, the show alternated song-centered variety episodes with dramatic story episodes. This sounds fantastic. At one point, Frank shot nine half-hour episodes over the course of 15 working days. Critics complained that the show felt, quote, unrehearsed, (laughs) and it was canceled after the first season. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it was unrehearsed, guys. That's it. Wow. Pretty sure Frank showed up, he did his thing, and then he got back on the jet to Palm Springs. I don't hit marks. I am the mark. Find me. Love you. You. All right. Thanks, I Frank. Jumped him. Sorry, Frank. It's okay. I mean, it's really the only part of the song that everyone knows. You fucked it up, but whatever. <laughs> no, but it's Matt. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Seinfeld on? No. No. It actually, it is. It is. It on. is. Yeah. For uh, for what's the deal with Seinfeld? You'll have to join the Patreon. I'm really pushing the Patreon. I apologize. Uh, all right, Gambit Part Two. This is from Larry Nemechek's book, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Uh, 
Facing the defenseless Enterprise while posing as part of a mercenary crew, Picard and Riker play their parts, firing low-level phaser bursts that leaves the Enterprise unharmed but impresses the mercenary leader, Baran. Data plays a hunch, lets the pirate ship escape, but finds a coded message from Riker that details the next heading. Meanwhile, the Romulan Talara forces Picard to reveal his true identity while explaining that she is actually a Vulcan agent sent to grab the crew's target. An ancient psionic superweapon wanted by Vulcan isolationists who wish to rid their world of the leaders and off-worlders. At the rendezvous site, Moran sends a raiding party aboard the Enterprise to retrieve the psionic resonator from a Klingon contact who'd been detained. Riker, whose act has fooled Moran, is ordered to kill Galen, but instead is shot on stun by Picard. Learning that Talara is actually among those who want the weapon, she and Picard expose each other to the crew. He is taken hostage while others go with both of them down to the Vulcans to get their money. Talara kills him with the resonator. Excuse me? <laughs> Just as Picard is... <laughs> tell you how this episode's going. Just as Picard realizes its power source is negative... <laughs> He then alerts the, his would-be Enterprise rescuers left useless. The weapon is destroyed by the Vulcan government, and Talara is detained. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of contrivances, this, this is a this, of the year twenty seventy. Oh, calm down, Q. Um, this episode has so many contrivances; it's not even funny. Interesting. Last time on Star Trek: The Next. Um, what do you mean interesting? I feel like you're already. You don't think it's a silly contrivance of like it's negative. Everyone, clear your minds. Clear your minds. It can't hurt us. (laughs) Yes, that is definitely contrivance. (laughs) Yes, the most powerful weapon ever. We found it. Uh, Everyone, just think happy thoughts. It can't bother you. (laughs) Yeah, like you're telling me, Worf wouldn't get killed by that thing immediately. It's kind of a Ghostbusters ending, frankly. <laughs> it is, absolutely, which was four years before this. Yeah. It feeds off negative energy, this pink slime. It would have been hilarious if she only killed Worf. <laughs> I did everything I could! <laughs> facial response, and I still can't find any kind of code or hidden message. Whoa. I agree, the existence of such anything. a message is remote, but I believe we should check. What do you mean you don't see anything? This I, is a- I couldn't see any of the image. Could oh. you? No. All right. That's what I meant by I couldn't see anything. I'll keep trying. Two okay. starships have Stupid been sent to intercept the mercenaries at Yadala Prime and Maybe this is another in case they attempt change to attack those planets. Inform Starfleet Command <laughs> that we will hold position until further notice. So, we are just going to remain here. Yes. But we will continue to pursue all avenues of investigation. If we had not let them escape, this would not be necessary. That is correct. But I believe Commander Riker wanted us oh to let them escape. Oh, my God. Commander. Netflix has upgraded their uh, their anti-piracy measures. Oh, and that's why we can't see it? Yeah, because whenever I go to share screen, it's like, no. Oh, wow. No, you can't share screen. Do you want to go to CBS? I'm going it? right now. Let's see. Let's I see think we're going to have to switch to Paramount Plus or something. Somebody was sending we us a thing. We already have think, it, silly goose. No, I mean, I think that Netflix is ending it's, their it's Star okay. Trek run. We, we don't instruct people where to watch this. They just watch it however they feel like watching it. I'm saying You know what I mean? Us. Do you know what I mean? Oh, boy. 
God, Nomad's Mad is here to stay. <laughs> Somebody call Crusher. <laughs> Whoa. All right. I figured it out, everybody. Here it goes. Trumpet fanfare. We're good to go. I've gone over every word, every inflection, every facial response. Oh, wait. And I, still... I guess we missed the pre-credits. Instead of... I... So dumb. Should have just... Why do they recap things? <laughs> Something to their weapons. I believe you were right, Counselor. It is now up to us to play along. Release inertial dampers and cut power to decks 31 through 37. Aye, sir. Set phasers to 25%. Return fire. Aye, sir. Continue firing. I've lost three plasma relays on the disruptors. Auxiliary power is, is not available. Transfer weapons control of my station. There's a way to bypass the relays and feed power. The antimatter containment units are starting to... The guy playing Baran got really bored in the middle of that line. <laughs> you probably was just like, no, I'm not good at this techno There's battle. There's a way to re... <laughs> and feed power. And then he just like did this on set. And they weren't originally planning on having them take a phaser hit at that point in the story. But <laughs> that's how he got out of his line. <laughs> All right, that works. Uh, um, the one thing that has been badly damaged. I guess it comes up more later. But one thing that strikes me is, why does this this guy, why does Baran, think that this is a good idea at any point in the story to take on the flagship of the the, the fleet? Uh, well, he like he's always acting like he has a chance, and he doesn't have a chance, does he? He has a chance because he has Riker on the ship. Uh-huh. And they're not going to try to destroy Riker. You know, right. It's just you got to think like a pirate. I don't know if that, that Riker thing is playing. Think like it. a pirate. <laughs> that is retcon pirate. Let's see who that is. Here, we will be destroyed. The logical course of action is to withdraw. We've done enough damage. Narek set course. 180 mark 215. Warp 6. Initiate. I like this. They're this preparing other alien to activate their to... warp drive, Commander. Sir, we cannot track them with our sensors if they go to warp. I can still disable them. I'm by... aware of the tactical situation, Lieutenant. Let them go. Feels like it's Nomad's Wharf here. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> if I've had this theory before. I think I have this. And his theories are very interesting because he's really smart. And his theories. Do you have the long one? I haven't heard the long one in a while. Jesus. Where are all the bathrooms at? Who let an android have a cat? Just pretending to be so dim. No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Andy's theories. I know I have 
Worf theories, but I don't know if I have this one. I think Worf has an anxiety disorder, and that's why he's always freaking out. <laughs> he's always thinks that they're in terrible danger. He's always snapping at people, and that's, you know, people do that out of fear and anxiety. Maybe he's just being a good security officer. I mean, it could be, but it also could be this uh, theory, which is... Uh, <laughs> And Worf has an anxiety disorder. Let's look for it in the rest of the show, everybody. I think every time Worf is like, I think we need to do this, and he's frustrated and pissed off or snapping at people, think, what if he's just nervous? <laughs> Doesn't that fit? Maybe he just never he never feels heard, you know? Yeah. Or seen. And he's always standing, and everybody else gets to sit. Two starships have been sent I mean, to until this episode. At Yadala Prime and Sitting up a storm in this episode. To attack those planets. Inform Starfleet Command that we will hold position until further notice. So, we are just going to remain here. Yes. But we will continue to pursue all avenues of investigation. If we had not let them escape, this would not be necessary. That is correct. But I believe Commander Riker wanted us to let them escape. Commander... I think I found something. I've been studying the comlink Commander Riker used to transmit his command codes. I didn't see anything at first, but then I ran the transmission through a subharmonic analysis and I found this. It it's got to be one of the few, if only, times that war that Jordy has ever referred to Data as Commander. Um. Yeah, that's Jordy's true. Was like Data. You know what I mean? But now he's in command, so he gets a full he gets his whole what do you call it there? You get your rank, a little rank respect. Carrier wave is the command codes. It might be the message we've been looking for. Possibly. I will attempt to resequence the signal. Begin running a search for a decryption key. By the way, with Troy in her normal uniform. Yes. With the lieutenant with the lieutenant commander Pips, you know. That episode, Disaster, where Roe is, like, freaking out and O'Brien is trying to explain things to Troy, takes on a very, like, if she had just been in that uniform, I feel like that whole plot goes away. (laughs) (laughs) You might be right. Uh, Wait, I have a couple things. One thing, first of all, on the Troy thing, it really drives me crazy that they take the time... Because I like that they're like, oh well, they would go through the steps of seeing if, if, um, if uh, he blinked if, Morse code, if he did some kind of a code, if he did a thing. I like that they had Troy looking at it. But then why undermine Troy and have it be? You know, I understand that it's a more satisfying tech sci-fi-ish kind of a thing that he laced the this code into the thing. But doesn't it make more sense? With his relationship with Troy, that he did find a way to communicate to her. I think well, you brought up before that it could just be telepathy, but even beyond that, it should have uh, been just telepathy. You know, because she has, she's there. You know, Imzadi, like he can hear her thoughts. But even beyond that, I think it is a nice thing that there would be some kind of facial communication that they have secret codes that they can send each other, and it would totally make sense. <laughs> what would that look like? Do you think? I don't know. He's wiping his nose. You know, he's rubbing his nose. He scratches his ear. I don't know. He does things. He always told me that if I ever wipe my nose and then scratch my ear, that we should pursue 
<laughs> Vulcan <laughs> artifacts. He's a Betazoid. We have no we have no idea how these fucking powers work. But it he's a anything. human. So you're saying that they work. Yeah, but she's sensing cues. stuff from him. But she can't sense anything from a videotape. Well, I'm theoretically, of course, it's all on videotape. They right. they have VCRs on the Enterprise. I'm saying that maybe part of the Bezoid thing is that they look. First of all, you're right. It should have been something that she sensed while the ship was nearby. But independent of that, you know, they build something in. Like they're doing this scene where it's like. You know, I hey, I, I looked for facial tics or something that would reveal it. So that implies that Betazoids have some kind of, or or Troy has some kind of superior facial reading skills. So if he was like Ekche, the Arier K Aveway. No, I'm saying he should just. <laughs> You do the thing that the show is saying he should have done, and all you do is where you reverse it, so it's that Jordy and the other people, their thing craps out, and then have Troy be the, the I, winning hand in that scenario. I think it should I'm have been arguing. Pig Latin. I think it should have been Pig Latin. <laughs> no one's going to remember Pig Latin in the 23rd century. Uh, that w- I mean, I would have bought that, too. I would have no problem with that. Oh, wait. The other thing I was going to say... Uh, I didn't realize <laughs> when the name James Worthy came up. I didn't realize that was actually James Worthy from the oh, Lakers. <laughs> until you just saw someone towering over the very I, tall. I Michael honestly, Moore. I couldn't. I was like, is this forced perspective? I don't understand. And then I just realized, oh, it's actually a basketball player playing that part. That's so funny. You have he did a good job. Uh, it was really squeaky on that. He did a he did a good job. James um, Worthy is really good in this episode for you know a professional basketball player. Now a professional actor. One minute beyond that, and you'll answer for it with your life. I suppose I should thank you. <laughs> he's, he's, his character is so magnanimous for someone who just wields pain sticks over people <laughs> no. also he's like if you fuck this up i'll kill you i suppose i, I should thank you for <laughs> saving me <laughs> yeah he's a he's he's a very chatty kind of friendly like to, guy who yeah. also inflicts pain at the uh i like I, to give everyone their due but also remind them i could kill them at <laughs> any second i rule with fear and love um but also, I don't know if you want to get into this now. There, the, the idea of uh, this guy has this this device, and that's it. That's how he stops people from mutinying. That's how he makes people obey his 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 wishes. Like, doesn't all he have to do is turn around and somebody could phaser him? Yeah, it's a completely flawed system of well i mean authority. also also the ridiculous thing of fucking picard going uh, yeah i reprogrammed his character right suddenly all i had to do way. at the end that's a real um that's the end of this episode is so full of those that it just yes. falls apart for me yeah i agree with you so full anyway none of us would be alive if it weren't for you let's hear it for Riker. hip hip <laughs> We've prepared a cake for you. You're welcome. 
What's wrong, Commander? <laughs> this is like, and then this is like, all right, John Luke, you're, you're a little heavy-handed here. Come on. You're having second thoughts about betraying your comrades, because that's what you've done. Betrayed them. <laughs> betrayed them in order to save yourself. You used to be this just a second-rate officer. Now you're a traitor and a coward. How does that feel? I don't know. How did that feel? Enough! <laughs> Galen, go down to the cargo hold. Check out those artifacts. Move! That's my dream. To just be able to punch Jean-Luc Picard in the face. <laughs> when really? he's boring. That's when he's dream. boring. When he's boring me. <laughs> He was boring. He was being spicy there. He's being, <laughs> being arrogant and contentious. I just, I just want to show up on Picard and punch him in the face until he starts acting like Picard. <laughs> do you think that I do you think that Riker hit him hard enough to knock him backward off his feet? Or do you think that that was like a I think uh, it's something know, they developed a theme park uh, stunt shows. A lot of. a lot like uh the stuff, uh, the facial cues that Troy worked out with Riker that he wasn't using. <laughs> I buy it. They're preparing. I think that's possible. They prepared for so many scenarios, up to and including. Stunt. Should they? Based Maybe. on the, th- the amount of things the fucking the, the, the ship gets into, I would have a billion codes. Don't you kind of wish that they were both like at some point in the script? They were like. I'm so glad we both took Beverly's stage combat class. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hilarious if they went, if they kept going after he knocked him down, and there was like, oh, and they went like circled the bridge of that ship, just, they just like hopped <laughs> over railings. <laughs> they had a bunch of sugar glass vases so, they yeah, smashed so, on each other's heads. Somehow there was a stack of boxes they knocked over. <laughs> it was just, and then and then Baran's like, "Whoa, guys, guys, come on." We're all friends here. Press his pain button. <laughs> do you think Picard has been like how long? How long do you think Picard has had that thingamajiggy changed? <laughs> well, does he does he uh, does he zap him in this episode? Because it'd be funny if it was like every time he's like, "Whoops, he's doing it again." Oh, yes, ah! yes. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think in this one, I right. think he's always been pretending that it hurts. Yeah. But if I think that would have been too much of a risk because what if he does it to one of the other crew? He is so much like the character. Or does he of just Frasier chain, turn Crane. off his own? He really is the character of Fraser Crane. In the rest of the episodes, or just no, this one? I think all of the episodes. Jean Luc Picard and Fraser Crane are the same person. Let's flesh it out for us. <laughs> They're mind-numbingly the boring. Theory. Yeah. <laughs> they they enjoy tea and the finer things. Oh. And they always think they're the smartest person in the world or in the room, and uh, they also appreciate the uh, the arts, like acting, and a good book and Shakespeare, etc. Was I know that other Star Trek people were was um, Patrick Stewart ever on Frasier? Yes, in a fucking phenomenally great episode. Oh man, I got to maybe we should do, maybe we should do that for the Patreon. I want to watch that. Uh, Patrick Stewart is a gay theater guy who thinks that Fraser is gay and that mm. they're date and that they're dating. That sounds like a good episode. It's 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 very farcical and delightful. Um what? so wait, if Jean-Luc Picard is Fraser 
who is Captain Bateman in that universe? <laughs> How did you pull that? I don't know. Oh my god. My brain is a complicated web. Ay ay ay. He is Patrick Stewart's character from Dune. I'm trying to decide if you're incredibly stupid or incredibly smart. If he's Gurney Halleck. Why didn't you continue to fire on the Enterprise when plays the shield stopped? Plays a mean you were there guitar flute. Disrupt has lost power. Computer reset for diagnostic of new sample begins scan. I've watched you handle the weapon systems before. You know exactly how to bypass a problem like that. And why do you continue to argue with Riker? It should be obvious that by alienating Riker, you also alienate Baran, and yet you continue to do so. Why? Scan complete. Terracon profile negative. Computer, reset diagnostic for new sample and begin scan. Look, this isn't a Romulan labor camp. I don't Only Galen can do this. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you think. Scan complete. Terracon profile positive. 98% probability of match. Wow. Whatever it is we're looking for, it seems that we've found it. Tolerita Captain. Yes, what is it? I'm in the cargo hold. Galen's made a positive Terracon match on one of the artifacts. Good. And he's boring the life out of me. I would Don't love I... to have seen this scene when how how Riker decided this was the most helpful <laughs> position. <laughs> Lounging on his love seat. Anyone get near it. Understood. Tolera out. That sounds like good news. Very. It means we've completed half of what promises to be a very profitable mission. And even better than that, I'm almost ready to get rid of your friend, Galen. Really? There's one more artifact to find. I do feel like... Once Galen... Baran has some... Oh, no, guys. Manifest! Finally, we're doing our manifest coverage. Galen confirms... I do feel like Baran has a, has a, a, a little bit of a fallen in love with Riker vibes in this episode. Well... Going along with your, he's being so nice to him. Who wouldn't? Sit down. I, I suppose. Know, maybe Riker's leaning into it with I this. I suppose. With this pose. I should thank you. <laughs> also, I have this pain thing. <laughs> that it's genuine. His usefulness on this ship will come to a very sudden end. I can't say I'm sorry to hear that. Galen might be a loudmouth fool, but sometimes he's quite perceptive. His observations about you, for instance. Oh, after what you did on Call the Two, I doubt if you have much of a future in Starfleet. Hmm. Yes, I must say I've come to the same conclusion. <laughs> but assuming that you were not my prisoner, <laughs> what would you do? Huh? Took me a second to register that that wasn't him. Doing I guess that I'd start looking for a new did. career. <laughs> Must be because that's how that's how well it fit into uh, fifteen years of Starfleet. T- he's only been for fifteen years, huh? It seems like he's done well. I just want to make that's really true. I guess it was all all the progression was uh, post when uh, Thomas Riker was trapped on that planet. Um, uh, I just do also want to make clear. Uh, I really like this episode. I think that's why I was a little bit surprised at your increasing disdain for it. Um, I, I feel like it's it was really interesting twists and turns. But uh, 
I mean, uh, you know, your points have been valid thus far. So. Oh, we should. I wish we had written our our things. Now it's too late. Our oh, pre- too ratings. late. All right. In years of Starfleet technical knowledge would be useful. You wouldn't happen to know a place like that. <laughs> look at that coy look. He is oh, trying to make him fall in love with him. However, there's one thing that I have learned. He's using his male wiles. Yeah. Just like Crusher and Troy. See, equal opportunity. Analysis of the signal from the mercenary ship. I believe these groupings represent bearings and coordinates taken from their navigational system. So you think this is their flight plan? Yes. If I am correct, the mercenary ship is headed toward these coordinates in the Hyrulean sector. Well, their maximum speed is warp 8.7. It would take them at least 14 hours to reach that position. We could be there in five. Make it so. Finally. Catchphrase. Set a course for the Hyreland sector and engage at warp nine. This music. (laughs) Warp's really (laughs) overstepped his boundaries. (laughs) That music implies that Data's about to, like, plunge his fist through Warp's skull. Of course. This is great. Lieutenant, I am dissatisfied with your performance as first officer. May I ask in what way? You continually question my orders in front of the crew. I do not believe this is appropriate behavior. With all due respect, sir, I have always felt free to voice my opinions, even when they differ from those of Captain Picard or Commander Riker. That is true. But in those situations, you are acting as head of security, not as first officer. The primary role of the second in command is to carry out the decisions of the captain. In this case, me. But is it not my duty to offer you alternatives? Yes. But once I have made a decision, it is your job to carry it out, regardless of how you may personally feel. Any further objection should be given to me in private, not in front of the crew. I do not recall Commander Riker ever publicly showing irritation with his captain as you did a moment ago. No, sir. If you do not feel capable of carrying out this role, I will assign it to Commander LaForge and return you to tactical. I would not enter it into your record as a reprimand, simply as a transfer. I would prefer to remain at my current post. Then I expect you to conform to the guidelines I have laid out. Aye, sir. Dismissed. Mr. Worf. I am sorry if I have ended our friendship. Sir. It is I who has jeopardized our friendship, not you. If you will overlook this incident, I would like to continue to consider you my friend. I would like that as well. Thank you, sir. Data should have put his arms up for a hug. <laughs> oh, well, all right. If we're not doing it, then. Um, I love this scene. Uh-huh. You got to tell me, you know, you, you got to love this scene. Of First course. of all, it plays into such a, a protocol I mean, they're Man. both ignoring the first duty, obviously, to the truth. Um, everybody's first duty is to the truth. So I don't know why they're saying the duty of a first officer is blah, blah, blah. Because you say it's the <laughs> truth and then blah, blah, blah. But other than that, I think they pretty much hit it spot on. Um, I would think you would love it. First of all, the the, the element of... It's interesting that in all the, the, the fucking arguments... Angelico and Shelby and Riker and all the people over over the time about you're not listening to my orders. 
Um, the simple argument of you can debate things more when you're not my first officer. You can't do this when you're my first officer. Although I guess his particular point is you can't do it in front of the rest of the crew. But uh, I think that's a fantastic point. Um, and I love how the scene plays out, that they even go back for the thing about, you know, him saying, I'm sorry if I, you know, this cost me your friendship. And then, and Worf, uh, honorable as ever, saying, you know what, I'm the one that screwed up here. Honorable as sometimes he's owning up to it. Um, but one last thing. Um, <laughs> do you think in the moment, Data being able to, you know, think of whatever, the speed of light, who, who knows how fast. Um, do you think that he, in that moment, after he said dismissed, was it a choice for dramatic <laughs> for dramatic purposes that he waited to say the thing about friendship before Worf left the room? Or do you think that it took him that long to process he should ask for it? You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to think about it. Yeah, I think he's busy. You know, I think his brain is busy and I think it caught oh, up. Oh, his brain is processing. Because I do also think another thing is like he, this is a different data in this scene, and it's always interesting. I I gotta assume it's a Spiner acting choice that when he goes into moments like this where data is not acting like data, that he I mean unless there's some extraneous reason that he's data is choosing to like oh I'm gonna act like Riker would in this situation or Picard would in this situation that he's almost doing an impression of someone else in sternness like any good broadway actor you know right. whenever you're doing a revival you're just trying to do a good version of what came before that's right what a good commander or a good captain data is huh we've seen this a couple of times now he's just he- you know you know what makes him such a good commander slash captain what he's a fucking android and no <laughs> protocol yeah, but he understands human beings now too. He knows how to handle them. That's no, he knows by that every, everybody's here for Starfleet shit. We all get it. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Good to see you too. <laughs> I've had some unpleasant surprises. Will, this isn't a good idea. Baran micro suspicious. As a matter of fact, it was Baran who sent me here. He told me to pretend to be friendly with you, help you organize a mutiny, so that he can determine who your support... Cut, cut to Baran watching this on a monitor in his office crying. Seriously, why doesn't just Baran cry, invest no, in that just instead? Just crying, because Riker <laughs> betrayed him and doesn't really love him. <laughs> They thought he loved me. Orders are in the crew, and then eliminate them. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. I have difficulty remembering whose side I'm on. So, what have you been able to find out? When we reach the Hyreland sector, we're supposed to rendezvous with a Klingon transport ship. I'm not sure, but I think they may be delivering another of the Romulan artifacts to us. Second artifact? Oh, by the way, that first artifact is not Romulan. It's Vulcan. Vulcan? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I have been looking over the glyphs and pictograms from the Call the Two artifact. Oh, and although I don't have enough data to translate all the inscriptions, the alphabet and the symbology is much more consistent with early Vulcan than Romulan. Do these artifacts have some... You sound like you were going to say something. No, I was just doing was just doing impression of Riker as when he starts going into the artifacts, just going, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> and he goes, "No, it's when he picks up the pad to look at it." And he goes, um, "Uh huh, yeah, I see that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely what's going on here." What sort of threat? First things first. A year ago. Galen, who are you? I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Enterprise. Very well. To answer your question, for several years now, there has been a small but growing movement of extreme isolationists on Vulcan. A group that believes contact with alien races has polluted our culture and is destroying Vulcan purity. This group advocates the total isolation of Vulcan from the rest of the galaxy and the eradication of all alien influences from our planet. That sounds like an illogical philosophy. Agreed. But extremists often have a logic all their own. Tell me, Talera, what are these artifacts that we've been collecting? I know that they are Vulcan in origin. I'm sure you are familiar with the ancient history of my people. Before we found logic. Before we found peace. You were much as my people once were. Savage. Warlike. There was even a time when we used our telepathic abilities as a weapon. A time when we learned to kill with a thought. The Stone of Gaul. You know of it. I know the story from Vulcan mythology. The Stone of Gaul is real. But there is nothing supernatural or magical about it. It is a psionic resonator. A device which focuses and amplifies telepathic energy. It is one of the most devastating weapons ever conceived. But according to the legend, the stone was destroyed by the gods. Anyway. I like this. Um, I like the... the, First of all, the... um, the choice of MacGuffin makes sense to me. It seemed it makes sense why that would be incredibly dangerous. Uh, it, I really like that it's um, it's tied to Vulcan mythology. Um, I it's a little bit of a stretch that like sort of MCU style, you know, like Celtic mythology that it's everything science and it's it's actually a device I've, I kind of would have bought it more if it was like a particular stone that no longer exists I know there's always something when it's ancient technology I don't know it's like what happened I guess they lost the technology is the idea you know what I'm saying like that there's more advanced technology in the past um yeah like the ancient aliens thing right I guess that's it's sort of in that direction but whatever the case I think it's all interesting, and usually whenever they do this, this um, uh, archaeology stuff with Picard, it's always like I don't give a crap about any of this. And this is interesting and logical. Hmm. I also like that there's a. Have we heard of the secret, the Vishar 
the secret um, agency of the Vulcans. Yeah, there's 400 episodes about it. On a, there's, I don't know. No, it's not. That's the tall <laughs> I don't Shio. think we've ever heard of it until now. At least that I know of. I was it truly, I was truly excited when you said that. I was like, "Cool! I want to watch Vulcan Secret Agents." And the Vulcan people found their way to peace. The resonator was believed to have been destroyed during the time of the Awakening. Only one piece is known to have survived, and it was placed in a Vulcan museum under heavy guard. A year ago, that piece was stolen from the museum. Soon after, mercenary ships began raiding archaeological sites across the quadrant. We believe a member of the isolationist movement is attempting to reassemble the resonator. A telepathic weapon. My orders are to find that assassin and stop him. It would seem that Baran has to deliver these artifacts to the assassin. It's such a small-scale weapon, they show it killing one person at a time. <laughs> so that also they do it- when they do show it a lot of the the mistakes are in the last like seven minutes i agree in the yeah. same way we just experienced in a in a voyager episode the the because like the the slowness with which she kills everyone and the fact that they could easily phaser her you know before then is just like undermines the dangerousness of the weapon like the idea should be all she's got to do is think and the person's dead yeah, we don't need to show a, a, a wave right. <laughs> approaching. I'm picking up a small vessel bearing 127 Mark 335. Is it the mercenary ship? No, sir. It's a Klingon ship. A Tehran class shuttlecraft. One person. Oh, we didn't open a channel. Count her lines. Oh my god. I gotta think. There's over five. This is Lieutenant Commander Data. Right? I assume so. This is Sabrina LaBeouf. We all know. We all watched Cosby. Playing Giusti? G-I-U-S-T-I. How would you pronounce that? I don't know. Juicy? Justy? <laughs> Justy Juicy? Juicy. Juicy. We can we can count James Worthy's lines. Oh yeah, you might have less. All right, here we go. Good job, Sabrina. Of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Cora. One. I take it that is your name. May I inquire as to your destination? No. Two. May I ask the purpose of your journey? (laughs) No. Three. Perhaps I have not made our intentions clear. We are investigating. He seems most uncooperative. He may have been curt, but he was also very worried and even a little scared. Sir, may I recommend that we bring the shuttlecraft aboard with our tractor beam, search it, and interrogate Corral? According to the terms of the Klingon Federation Treaty, Corral has every right to free transit through Federation space. We cannot board or search his vessel without cause. Yes, sir. Don't you have cause? However, the treaty does give us the right to conduct 
health and safety inspections on any ship in our space. Health and safety inspections? I am not certain that using this clause as an excuse to conduct a search he would might be have COVID four thousand. The spirit of the treaty. <laughs> yes, sir. However, I like that. If Corral wishes to contest our actions, he can file a protest with the Judge Advocate General's office. Bring the shuttle aboard. Then you and Doctor Crusher may begin the inspection. Aye, sir. I love the moment of it's a great performance moment by by Dorn that he's about to contest it again and he just accepts it. I think they should cast insanely tall people as Klingons more often. And I frankly I would have loved to see Worf take this guy on. It would have been really fun. And I think they could have been easily justified. Well, kind of being a dick the whole time. Then the judge advocate general was going to have some real problems with the filing. That's true. Hello, I'm Doctor Crusher, and this is Lieutenant Worf. It's very weird that she's talking to him. She's just like talking to him like he's Tarzan, like he's, <laughs> like he's just been for unfrozen. <laughs> We're here to conduct a health and safety inspection of your ship. Leave a little health head in the corner. And safety inspection. A little person at their, right. at their... Yeah, they're up at their posts. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Have you ever seen that before on Star Trek? That in the mean? far distance, there's a... I've never seen that in this. Well, the shuttle bay. Like the shuttle bay has that launch area. The, the I know, but I guess I always feel like you they never, never really feel they never shoot what's up happening. Way. Yeah. That's so they really were shooting interesting. because he's so tall. They're like, "Shit!" Now we finally see this control deck. Let's put someone up there. It's a, it's a good directorial uh, you know, decision. Um, uh, radiation leaks, um, biochemical contamination, um, other health hazards. <laughs> Excuse me. That's good specific acting in that out of focus corner, Matt. Mm-hmm. Well, no radiation so far. I'm sure you're glad to hear that. Right. It's an incoming message. It's from the Klingon shuttle. I would guess six eight. Approximately fifteen minutes ago. I would guess so. He's at the rendezvous coordinates. Dorn has to be a tall drink of water himself. I think Dorn's like six four. He stopped transmitting. The Enterprise. Now, how could they have found out about the rendezvous, Commander? Quiet. All that matters now is that the Enterprise uh, is the six second nine. artifact in their possession. We don't have a choice. We'll have to board the Enterprise and take the artifact. Dorn is you six have three. any idea how many security officers there are on board a ship like that? No, I don't. But he does. I could get us on the Enterprise. I can find the artifact. <laughs> Very convenient. We beam you back aboard your old ship. We have to take a risk that you won't change your mind and betray us. I have. He t- he puts a little. He, he goes a little cockney in his accent when he's being Galen. That would have been amazing if that was his choice. I think it Just is. Went full Saved out. your life twice already, Galen. I think he's doing I would kind think of you would begin to show some gratitude by now. Voice. Galen, if you're so worried about Riker, then you can go on the raiding party and watch him. 
Agreed. Draw weapons and equipment for a raiding party of five. Love party five. If you're thinking of betraying us to your friends on the Enterprise, you might remember that I still have the ability to kill you at the first sign of trouble. Unless somebody I shoots me in the back at any moment. But you also you have to be really close, like six to twelve feet away. <laughs> so I need you to if you're gonna betray us, come back here and stand about there. Thank you. Is he already over his, I'm really his five now line limit? To get to know you. May I ask what business you're in? Lieutenant Worf has programmed our replicators to make a very good approximation of Klingon blood wine. I believe you will find it to your liking. It's interesting that you they have the sound of it pouring out before you see it. Well, that's my no third line. scan, and I still haven't found anything out of the ordinary. He must be hiding something. We should download his computer memory and analyze it. I'd have a hard time defending that as part of a safety inspection. We could claim that the computer was generating abnormal radiation signatures. Worf, we're on pretty shaky ground as it is. We can't just... Watch that door. Hey, Mr. Worf, I got your things. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm finally going to ask out Worf. <laughs> what is going on? Shut your mouth, Klingon. I guess you're surprised to see me, Doctor. You could say that. I've had a change of profession. It's not in here. Hey, you. Where's the artifact? I do not know what you're talking about. Use your brain. They wouldn't be searching the shuttlecraft if they had the artifact. Corral must have it. Where is that Klingon pilot? In the observation lounge with Data and Troy. How far? Twelve decks away. Security would not allow you to get that far. They won't get the chance. We'll use the transporter and that shuttle will beam directly to the observation lounge. Sorry about this. I wish Picard was like, you know, Riker, uh, blue is kill on these. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, game's over. What is this? Quiet. <laughs> Does he have it? Yes, I can recognize the inscription. <laughs> they definitely would have had James Worthy to be a co-star. Commander Riker, by taking this action, you risk charges of assault, theft, piracy, and treason. Really? Then I guess adding one more charge wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Is he dead? Yes. Good. Activate so, the transport. So, Data is... 
Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> date is what? Well, date is full here. I feel like he doesn't have some kind of Android senses that would allow him to to really know whether Riker was alive. <laughs> well, this uh, is to my theory that she's a psychiatrist. Because she's like, obviously, she's an MD. This. She's gonna, right. she'll figure it out. <laughs> um, the other thing, so here is a moment. So I'm curious what your take is on this. Here is a moment that I was really impressed with the plotting. That it's not even just Riker faking killing Picard; it's Picard killing Riker is part of their plan. That to me was an unexpected twist and good plotting and it's kind of to the my point of like I feel like this episode is really well plotted uh, until I understand that I agree that there are some missteps at the end but um, I just think it's a really good espionage episode for a change of pace um, and I actually thought to myself not having remembered who wrote it like I bet you Ronald D. Moore wrote this one and he did uh do you disagree? No, I, everything, I think what you're saying is all valid. It's good espionage. It's a lovely change of pace, certainly. Um, but I feel like that was the kind of thing of like... Riker was gonna stun Picard, do the same thing that Picard did to him. But Picard yeah. was like... Picard decided he didn't... <laughs> Picard decided, no, no, you stay. I'm going. <laughs> you, you think Picard just on the fly was like, yeah. I want to be the fake espionage yeah. guy. I'm a pirate. <laughs> you know how long I worked on this semi-cockney accent? <laughs> Security alert. All right, you. emergency team to the observation lounge. Is he dead? Raise shields and begin sensor sweeps for the mercenary ship. Aye, sir. He's all right. He's only stunned. I must admit, I am experiencing a similar sensation. Oh. It's going to take a little time to explain. But I'm <laughs> in love with someone named Baran. <laughs> it's been a slow build. His hair is so beautiful. His sweater is so strong. He's both firm, but also very kind. He's been wearing the same thing since I've met him. Plus three one zero. It's vaguely like the president of the federation. Whoop sits. Where is it? I have something else for you, Baran. A good old punch in the face. Tell him what happened. That I, I mean, this is proof positive right, that Baran's stunned device is completely pointless <laughs> or just go up and punch him he tried to kill galen before we beam back he might have killed all of us and i believe he was acting under your direct orders baran you betrayed us this has gone far enough i think it is time that we had a new commander someone who would lead us to those prophets that we've been promised oh really and who would that be, Galen? You. He's plotted this all along. Opposed me at every turn. This part I didn't understand also. This is, again, like, magnanimous <laughs> evil captain. Right. Like, 
well, I'll play the game of, of debating you in front of the crew <laughs> right. instead of just using my Killing thingamajiggy him. to right. zap you and or uh, zap everybody and make them all feel pain and then go, I think we all know who's in charge here. Everyone, uh, be on my side, even though I could kill you by pressing a button. Come on! Endangered all of us by refusing to follow orders. Follow your orders. The orders of a small man trying to fill a role too big for him. I say it's time for a change. Who's with me? Don't follow the guy who can kill us. Follow me. I like this other alien with the... <laughs> with the huge so hair. Run. You mean the engineer? Right, quiet. As long as I have this. I'm still captain of this ship. Yeah, you can't obviously. kill all of us. You need us to run this ship more than we need you to command it. I don't have to kill you all. Just you, Galen. Act break. Picard's like, damn it, he got me. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that he could just kill me with a button. This is super convenient. Talk about a contrivance. Why would he have one of those patches embedded in him? <laughs> oh, that's another good point. How did he do it to him? Did he sneak in while he slept and surgically implant it? What happened? <laughs> I switched the transponder codes. Given his the one that he put on himself is now operating. That's probably his, she probably he probably uses magnanim magnanimity against him because of you know. He was like, I just want you all to know I, too, put on one of these patches. <laughs> if I act out of turn, I will I, uh, stun myself. Me. I will also receive pain. <laughs> Thank you all. Now, if you don't do what you're told, I will kill you. Now, let's go in a circle and say one positive thing about everybody else on here. Everyone, we're going to get in a circle and we're going to say, what's, what's one nice thing about me? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I uh, like your hair. Thank you. Thank you. Fran was nothing. We have a mission to complete, and the crew needs a leader. They did a good job with doing generic aliens in this episode. There'll be no more punishment on board this ship. Yay! Now, do you Yay! We complete our mission <laughs> and get our payment. Remove that. Orders. Maintain our present course and speed for now. The Is this murder? FYI, Smirky gives us where we're supposed to deliver our cargo. Hi, Captain. Oh yeah, I am the captain again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Yes, Andrew. Is this murder? Did Picard just no. murder him? I understand that he pressed the button, but he kind of set him up. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's murder much like it would be if you were to fire a phaser at me and I would pull out a pocket mirror. <laughs> well, if you provoked me into I merely set a up, phaser. I merely set well, up the defense. Why, go ahead and kill me. Why set it on kill? Go ahead. I'm not afraid of you. It's like that. No, what he said was you can't, you can't kill all of us. Yeah. But he Which is knew logical. that that was where this conversation was going. Did he, though? He could have just said, um, 
you know. It'd be a shame hey, if I were to... You can't kill me anymore. I turned it off. What if, he's, what if he's like, it'd be a shame if I were to feel any pain right now, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Warp to Commander Riker. Minister Satak of Vulcan Security is standing by on a secure channel. Put it through in here. Greetings, Commander. How may I be of service? Minister, I thought I should let you know the mercenary ship... Yes. He's still Commander Riker. Oh, that's because Captain Picard is still alive. Gotcha. Never mind. What are you talking about? There was the debate about about Data becoming oh. sort of... Yeah. And like I said, it was just is a field promotion. There's no field promotion. In, gotcha, gotcha. Right, never mind. Yeah, never mind. In, uh, in, in Best of Both Worlds. Apologies. Accepted! <laughs> no pain stick for you! This is a cord of pain buzzer. ship that has been raiding planets in the Targa system is probably on its way to Vulcan right now. I do not understand. I'm sorry, it's been a dip. A ship is a vessel. Uh, people get <laughs> no, in that, it. No, that part I understand. <laughs> All right, uh, you you live on Vulcan. That that's where you. No. That's your planet. Um, right. And the ship. Right. You see, the ship is coming. Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days. I know that one of your operatives has been on a mercenary ship, investigating the possible reassembly of the psionic resonator. I didn't want someone to make a mistake and start firing at them when they approach your planet. Commander. I believe there's a problem. We have no operative aboard a mercenary ship. Couple things. First of all, I like the choice of. According to Brian, (laughs) I like the choice of lighting in that office. That they decided to go with a dim, kind of classy, moody lighting in the Vulcan's office. (laughs) Um, Secondly, I like the performance. Good specific acting. Very understated. He's a good Vulcan. And thirdly. Um, this is another plot twist that caught me off guard. Uh, you you probably don't remember from your first seeing it, but is did you think this was a an unexpected plot twist, or do you think? <laughs> well, for me, it was like, well, she's a Romulan anyway, so so she might just be pretending to be a Vulcan and is actually a Romulan. Yes, right. Even though she's pretending to be, says she's pretending to be a Romulan, you know. But I guess that's switch. where I think like the the Ronald D. Moore extra level of smart plotting comes in is that she's not just a Romulan it's not just a reversal she is actually the extremist Vulcan um, that she was sort of talking running down earlier in the episode I don't know I like it fooled me and then also I was like oh no I I had the feeling that you're supposed to have have with with twists in in television shows, which you rarely do. Which is, oh no, that's a bad situation for Picard. <laughs> Things aren't going to work out for him. Why did he tell her? Oh no. As logs, we are to deliver the two pieces to the Takarov Sanctuary on Vulcan. Looks like that laptop that he's looking at was made by Tiger Electronics. You remember those <laughs> Tiger Electronic games that were just yeah, you're right. They were good times. Just like a black LC, black and white LC. I know that place. It was an underground stronghold for one of the factions during the last civil war. It's been abandoned for centuries. Galen Bridge, all the course for Vulcan. Understood. Oh, I wonder if you can possibly help me with something. I have been able to translate most of the writings on these two 
pieces for the most part their warnings of death and destruction to anyone who opposes the resonator but i am not able to determine what appears on the anterior side for example this symbol represents the vulcan god of war and this the god of death but if you look really carefully you can see a third symbol is missing now that obviously should belong to the final piece. Now what's odd about this is that the god of death and war would typically always stand alone on an artifact. They'd never be combined with a third glyph. Fascinating. But I am not an archaeological <laughs> Even expert. She's kind of faking I'm really it. anxious to see the final artifact because it might provide a valuable insight that's into the, Vulcan That's mythology. the least convincing fascinating we've ever heard we from a Vulcan. At Vulcan. I will take these pieces to a secure holding area. All right, so at 13 minutes in, it starts to get a little wonky. At 13 minutes from the end, uh, this 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 last twist is good. I, I agree with Andrew on this. <sighs> okay, here we go. I should contact the Enterprise. Have them meet us at Vulcan, just in case these isolationists try to escape. Your offer is appreciated. But our security forces are more than adequate. I see. Um, do you think it's wise for you to go there alone? After all, they were expecting Baran to show up. Uh, don't you think if I were to accompany you, it might seem more plausible? Captain, I do understand your human emotional need to be there at the final moment. But this is a Vulcan matter. Of course. Thank you. So he's already under her at this point. What's up? He's on to her that she's Yes. shifty at this point. Yeah. Yes. It was when he said that he contacted the Enterprise. So the Enterprise was told to contact he was Vulcan. He was testing her or the fact that she said no to it that revealed it, you think? Uh there's a it's a there's a pivot. The final artifact because it might provide a valuable insight into Vulcan mythology. When we arrive at Vulcan, I will take these pieces to a secure holding area before going on to the sanctuary. I prefer to go alone, it will arouse less suspicion on the part of the isolationists. Well, there should be no problem about our entering orbit. I asked Commander Riker to contact the Vulcan authorities from the Enterprise. Let them know that we were approaching. Why did you do that? Well, I didn't want to risk a misunderstanding. Someone might have mistaken this for an actual raid. It was a wise precaution. Perhaps I should contact the Enterprise so it's there. Have the yeah. meters. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's in his face. It's in that look. Delicate look. Secretly transmitted to the Enterprise, containing our entire flight plan. She's right. The message was sent by Galen. <laughs> Making a meal He's out of that. He's a Starfleet officer. Talera is right. But what she's not telling you is that those artifacts she's holding 
a part of an incredibly powerful weapon. There's no reward waiting for you down on the surface. As soon as she's got those artifacts, she'll leave you behind to be captured by Starfleet. I don't care what it is you want, Talara. I don't care if that's a weapon for your personal use or if you're really just making a delivery as planned. All I care about is my money. So I propose a compromise. Narek and I will go with you to the surface to guarantee that we receive our payment. After that, you can go anywhere you want. Agreed. Bring him as well. We'll use him as a hostage if Starfleet arrives. If not, we'll kill him on the surface. That part is certainly the most convenient cliche thing. Of that, like That one part? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Well, I was just like, just the the general always like, I won't kill you because I'm going to keep you a hostage is always the classic, like, am I right? Where's the rest of Unless it? Unless I do it. That then it's great. That is all I could manage. I suggest you take it and leave. I did not come this far to be cheated. I want it all now. Very well. You will get what you deserve. This isn't money. It's just a liquid in the air. <laughs> what is this? And he's so confused by it that he has no negative thoughts in his head. <laughs> Looks like it's chocolate that she, she makes appear over him. It's <laughs> delicious chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> this takes so long to kill each person. There's no reason that they should just... Go ahead, Captain. Pick up the phaser. See what good it will do. You'll never get away with this. Starfleet will never stand by and watch you tear apart one of the founding worlds of the Federation. How little you understand what you're facing, Captain. You're used to fighting enemies like yourself. People on ships with defense shields, energy weapons, warp drives. But this is unlike anything you've ever faced. This is the power of the mind. Pick up the phaser, Captain. Listen to me, all Crazy. of you. Drop your weapons. But she doesn't Do just it. kill everyone instantly, also. Well, you know, you don't know how long it takes to think different, you know? <laughs> think someone to death. Don't make any aggressive movements. The resonator amplifies violent feelings and emotions. And that's why you wanted me to pick up the phaser. That's how you're able to kill Narek and Vakor. But I can see the symbol on that third artifact. And it is the Vulcan symbol for peace, standing between the symbols for war and death. It's a warning that the power of the resonator can be overcome by peace. You are about to see how wrong you are. Empty your minds of violent thoughts. Where have I seen this before? I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's Ghostbusters. Not Ghostbusters, but it's very close to that. It's definitely a trope. It's been done a lot. Hmm. Um, you know, there's also in TOS. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. When they go down to that planet. Where everything you think is, you know, happens. Mm. Like, that's where yeah, yeah, yeah. Sulu fights the samurai. Um, 
He's at the end. He's like, everybody clear your thoughts. You're standing at attention. Think about that for now. There's that. It is a trope. And uh, we have to deal with that here, I guess. We have to yeah, accept There's just no getting away from it. This mount is not graceful. East came the Vulcan. The resonator became useless. That's why it was dismantled. But she still, she still tries to get Picard after all this. Yeah. She's like, well, it'll definitely work on Picard. She can't even kill a, a Klingon. Yeah, I mean, I like how the thing good, like stays over Warp for the longest. For that reaction really? to Robin Curtis—it's <laughs> such a hilarious acting choice. So oh. close to killing you, damn it! <laughs> would have, using her fist to go, cut away you with were a right two. To <laughs> you weren't for you meddling, Picards. Now, what about that wave? Does that wave dissipate, or is that going to find the next angry Vulcan and kill them? <laughs> oh, good question. So glad we all have love in our hearts. That's what Pico- that's what Riker's saying right now. <laughs> For the rest I miss of the isolationists. Once we realized that you were no longer on the mercenary ship, we scanned the surface for your neural implant. We tracked the signal into the caverns. What will become of the resonator, sir? Satok has assured me that all three pieces will be destroyed. It is unfortunate it cannot be studied. The resonator is a key artifact from a remarkable period of history. Oh, normally I would be the first one to agree. But perhaps some things are best left in the past. What's going to happen to the mercenaries? Oh, they will be detained by the Vulcan authorities for the moment. But they're also facing charges from the Klingons, the Cardassians, the Ferengi, and at least seven other worlds. I don't think we'll be hearing from them for a while. Number one, will you set a course for Starbase 227? I'll join you on the bridge shortly. Wait a minute. You've been declared dead. You can't give orders around here. If we are to adhere to the exact letter of Starfleet regulations, then technically, sir, you have been declared a renegade. In fact, I believe you are facing 12 counts of court-martial offenses. You cannot give orders either, sir. That's quite right. And as I'm supposed to be dead, I'll go and get some sleep. And, Mr. Data, I suggest that you escort Commander Riker to the brig. Aye, sir. (laughs) This way, sir. Data, he was joking. You know that, right? Data? That was a very TOS end. It's true, but yeah. I... Up to including the oboes used in the scoring? <laughs> That's definitely true. <laughs> but you know what? As Star Trek jokes go, uh, I really like this one. I like the performances. I like that you kind of aren't even sure if Data is going to go through with this or not, Data. whether he himself is joking. I like the whole thing. Oh, I think a 1,000% Data is throwing him in the brig. It's great. I love it. <laughs> you can't talk your way. You can't talk your way out of the brig. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, so uh, that 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 being said, here we go. Let's do some fun MVCs. 
In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to Well, I mean, so many hands at play here in this episode. Everyone's doing something, except Jordy. It's true. Although Jordy finds the carrier wave. That's true, too. So maybe it's Jordy. Data is definitely very present. Although uh-huh. I guess it's really Picard that kind of, you know, it sort of strategizes everything, it seems. Uh, wait, so you're going to give it to Picard? I don't know. Data is definitely the most competent captain, so. Yeah. But Picard is the one who sort of seems to, you know, be at the wheel in terms of maneuvering to a positive solution to everything. Um, what is that called in submarine movies? A shooting solution? <laughs> oh, I don't know that. Uh,. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I guess you can give, but, well, hey, look at this. Picard is not a member of the crew. Oh, but he's still, he's sort of, they say he's not, but then it turns out he is when they realize he's alive. What? Or are you saying because he's off ship that he's not a member? I'm saying that he's not a member, he's not acting as a member of the crew. If he's not, then I would say it's definitely Data. Um, Although I think everyone... I don't know. Although, like, also, like, where does she go with this weapon? This this useless weapon. <laughs> like, I mean, after if it what had are, worked, what are really mean? the stakes after she kills those four people? Well, I mean, if it had not been shown to be so slow and 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 ineffective, then I think it would have been like I don't know. She just walks out a a, a team of say theoretically Vulcan, um, you know, uh, the the Vulcan whatever proper government army comes after her and she just thinks them all dead then that's certainly a weapon to be reckoned with (laughs) well I mean you know the scale is not that's the other problem too the scale is not sort of um, really uh, discussed in this episode like so is this weapon just like a like a handgun or is it right I mean, I have to imagine it is like a nuclear bomb for it to have this many ramifications and for her to be saying, you don't understand what this can do. Minimally, I feel like it it must be able to be like, oh, I can, you know, you face another starship. I can think everyone dead on it. Yeah. Well, then I guess that... It's uh, also such a huge flaw in the weapon that they all have to be thinking aggressively in that moment. It's just a... It's... It's all given away. They give they give it away at the end. It's all not as successful. But. I agree. Thank you for agreeing with me. Congratulations, Andy. I'm not saying that's where we'll I'm give it to Picard. We'll give it to Picard. 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 Oh gosh. Talk with the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Andy, you've been following along with Star Trek for nearly seven full seasons now. It's true. You like a change of pace as much as the next person. I do. 
Everybody says it. Where are you at in this? Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I was surprised that you were coming out swinging about it. Um, I I agree with many of your points, so I think I probably would have started higher. Maybe even a 7.5. The higher, the <laughs> fewer. Uh, and I think... In the end, the espionage stuff still works for me, and the subplots work. Uh huh. Um, and I would give it a seven. Uh, I'll give it a six. I mean, it's better than average because there's a lot of fun. It's uh, pacing's good. I yeah. will say that about the episode. Certainly, the pacing's great. Um, it's moving, and it moves at a good clip, and a lot happens. But the contrivances of the end are what really drag it to the six for me i think if, those, I do, if it was less contrived uh, it'd be like an eight i do also agree that the main villain baran is um he's sort of set up as very dangerous in some ways and in other ways he doesn't seem like he's that dangerous or that much of a threat seems kind of genial so it kind of lessens the tension a little bit uh it does and uh yeah that whole relationship between him and the crew and why he has a thingamajiggy on him like why he's <laughs> able to be killed by the thing is so silly it's very silly why Picard suddenly can change the transponder frequency or whatever it is uh, also silly that's um, really where it where it shows the fatigue that you were talking about of the well it's kind of like well, the let's seventh take, season let's take uh, let's take some let's take it let's take it up a notch let's let's go for it and uh We'll do this two-parter at the beginning of the season. Uh, okay, well, how are we going to end it? Uh, uh, give me five <laughs> minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, so here's what we do. This you is know? the second two-parter in this one season, right? I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. They we're only more uh, ambitious. I mean, I guess the second two-parter in that Descent Part 2, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Thank God you're talking about that. I was like, did I miss something? All right, Andy. That does it for us talking about this episode, but stick around because we're going to go talk about some people that need to be thanked. Those are the President Circle members. Let's head in. President Circle, circling around. We're walking in a circle while we say these names. Circling it up. Circle, circle time, circle time, everybody. <laughs> say one thing you like about me and Andy. Go. <laughs> Whoa, dramatic music. Uh, all right. So I lost the PDF, Andy. What did I do with it? I know I sent, send you, it back I sent you a link, and then I <laughs> well, lost I'll it. I'll start. No, no, no. Oh, I found it. I found it, bud. I found it. All right. All right. So thank you to the following President Circle members. I believe the way this is ordered, it is starting with the newest first. So a big thank you to these August people who signed up in August. Welcome. 1701. Interesting name. Ben Schultz. Blue Sun, Purple Skies. Thank you. Trent Rao, Tobias Hughes-Brown, Andrew Frazen, Tom, no longer in Canada. Oh, no. Where'd you go? Kevin Cohen, 
Lieutenant Lieutenant Jared <laughs> Matthews, Brett Harrington, Tom Zera, Picard's fourth pip, a guy who knows what a block zone is, Kathy Wagner, JB, Carter Parent, Lee Dickerson, Tim King, Cody Shaver, Britt Alaperti, James Galbraith, Galbraith? Probably. Drew Taylor. Uh, Nail McCann. Steve Mithrander. Ben That's Sato. Name for Gan- Gandalf. Oh. Phil the Killer. DM Johnson. Rail Goodall. Jessica Wright. SDF Prowler. Ben Miller. Thank you. Thomas Evans. Nicholas Lindner. Daniel Duval. Sean Baham. John Eckley. Ephraim, Morgan and Les on the Ocean, John Poindexter, Jeremy, Jeffrey Jacques, TYMC, Tim Micho, and Miriam at Tanagra. Miriam, her arms wide. Robert Mashburn, B Matt, Susan Wilson, Evan Smith, Darren, George, Philip Lately, Ellis Merritt, Michael Murphy, Andrew D. Meyer, William Noel, Monsieur Hops, Kevin Smith, Wes Wallace of the Horrible Cast. Launching September 2021, Elliot Kingdon, David Schaffitz, Rich Christensen, Kristen Bracken, Rachel Kelly, Steve, oh, sorry, Steph Hackett, Rachel Waltmeyer, Morlin, that's like Merlin, but different, uh, Jarlath <laughs> McGrathby, 10 Forward Gamma Shift Manager, thank you for taking time out of your Gamma Shift to be here, Thomas Bowater, Jacob Parik. Candace Holman, Arnon, William Black, Ian Clark, Jennifer Coffinbarger, Lauren, the Elorian is down on the planet, getting weird, Berman, Berman, Braga, Braga, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dominic Zapita, Victor Romero, Gordon Burnett, Joey Trashbags, L, like Q, but five better, Ma Mladen, M. Ladin, Ladin from Michigan, Vince Butler, Matthew Bitts, Joseph Lanter, Christopher Chris Christopherson, Bonnie Latrell, uh, Kyle White, Christy, Jonathan Munoz, Martin, Thomas Couture, Jennifer Cable, Laura Kincaid, Larry, Brad Larry. Harris, <laughs> John Douglas Forrest, Lanza, Jeffrey's Hologram, please leave a message, John Dews, Angel Cruz, Christina Saad, Martha, Kit Gates, Keats, Christopher L. Mitchell, John Macy, Pizza Shrapnel, Maddie H., Rob Wisdom, John Matthews, Niles Andreg, Matthew Holmes, Mr. The Ultimate Trekker, AJ, MST3K, The Archer Palms, a.k.a. Vertigidusness, Maddie Chappie, Jane Lindgren, Zach Engberg, Natasha Harrison, Husker Danny B., Patrick, Daniel Weiss, Lord Commander Daniel Bond, a Klingon woman wielding a McClef, Thank you. And thank you to Isaac Boatset, Joel Ahrens, Lieutenant Samantha Navarro, Lieutenant Alexander Markowitz, Mad Seb, Lieutenant Walter. Thank you to Jeff McGregor, Mike Boonackley, Flying Octopus of the Northwest, The Mediocre and Average Doug, Hannah Silver. Oops, I flipped up, sorry. You flipper? Uh, Carrie Hunter. Jason no meds, Leach. Matt. Huh? No meds, Matt. Thank you. Did I skip somebody? No, that's me. Oh. I'm uh, no Mad's Mad. <laughs> oh, Nomad's Mad, I see. <laughs> I was looking up and down for Nomad's Mad. I, 
I've forgotten. You know, it's been two hours. Jason <laughs> Leach, Ambassador James Holloway, with diplomatic immunity. Lieutenant Adam Ringland, Lieutenant Roberto, Lieutenant Kevin S. Brooks, Adam R. Murray, I the Cat, Shelley, Queen of the Shelliac, Vasil, Jeffrey Maddox, Gabriel, Michael Parsons, Jess, Friend of Darhana. Sorry, Star Trek. It's for the Dugongs and Sea, Dr- sea Dragons podcast. Grace Ellen Meixner, Jane, Janeway Lambda Lambda, and Omega Moo, Lieutenant Charlie, Lieutenant Daniel Harris, Lieutenant Jack Diamond. Thank you to John Weggy, Team Pigeon Double Take, uh, Todd Harmon, Garrett Avelar, uh, Heather Knight, Megan Brady Wright, Peter Goodwin, Matt Snyder, Scott Farley, Andre Bayou, the one Rami- Romanian on board. Heath Korshkin, Gregory Darian, Duncan Delp, Daniel Heron, Kevin Johnston, Roberta Cat, Roberta Cat, Marshall, Lieutenant M.W., Sean Cameron, Andy Benton, Zach Smith, Darmok, and Sinatra at the stands. Patrick Reese, Eric Peebles, Jonah Brulette, David Kay, Jonathan Feller. Thank you to Beth Baldwin, Nick Lynchner. Anthony Deacon, David Veenstra, DJ TJ Hooker, and the Shat Tones. <laughs> John King, Tom Bondurant, Kelly Sweeney, Michael Rossi, David Pinson, Stephanie Dyerson. Thank you to Derek Knighton. Thank you to Carrick Jones. Thank you to J.R. Johnson, Parker Davidson, Zach McCullough, Tanner Wilson, Noah Sudret, John Zaitz. Brett LeBlanc, Sean Lyons, Beep Boop, Boop Beep, <laughs> Andrew Woomer, Carolyn McNamara, James McLaughlin, Hayden, Justine Adamek, Rose Harless, Craig Little, Kevin Polly, Ivan Bemshot, Stephanie Simmons, Adrian Coop, Kenny Meehan, Matt Fader, Theodore. Andy, Andy I realized something. I've pre- I've, I, I sent you this in five times smaller font than we normally have it seen. Yeah, so you're have, you're reading so many names at once. It, it felt like it was so, more than usual. Here's what I'm gonna do. Let's just let's just let's just switch off. You got every it. other name. So Theodore right. Zadazalo, Sam Pass. Oh, oh, you meant every? What do you mean? I meant every you other person. Every other. Yeah. Every so other you person, yeah. you would say Hampus. No, you said Theodore. Oh, I see. I skipped one. Hampus the Ender. <laughs> I got real confused. I know. I apologize. <laughs> Trevor Kostrowski. Sam Pass. <laughs> James Monero. Chris Yates. Benjamin Garcia. Paul Magnus Calabro. Uh, Kobayashi Maru. Thank you, Debbie Lemon. Uh, Mark. L- Il- I'm going to go. That's an I. Mark Asari. Lieutenant Patrick. Steve Haas. Lieutenant Bob Blair. Catherine Gartner. David. Michael Collins. Matthew M. Columbus. Nelson Helwig. Joe Lenzen. Sante Mastriana. Jeff Caramaza. Amy Gibbs. Chuck Credo. That's a good good 80s action star name. It really is. Chuck Credo. Chuck Credo is. Laura Palma Blanford. (laughs) Philip Hanchai. (laughs) Teddy Jordan. James Tuttle. Uh, Candy Lineup. Michael Shade, Brian Stromitz, Mark Brueger, and Corey Colbert. Thank you very much, page two. Hello, page three. It's Jiminy Jellickers. Thank you. Feldy Bump. 
Bill and Ted Minute. Cedar Law. Ed Monday. Miguel Moreta. Uh, Mikey Melton. Winston Stauffer. Jim Callanan. Pat E. Grant McGuire. Daniel Permit. Adam Sullins. Nick G. Molly Murphy White. Beth Clark. Julio. The Great and Terrible Izek. Award winner. Jeffrey Barker. Adrian Bing Clark. Josh Moore. Roberto. Gwethelyn Williams. Christopher Montoya. John G. Cedric Clark. Nurse Ogawa's fifth line. Cue the music. Lucas Swain. <laughs> Jay from ScienceDiv.com, the Triple People. Sarah Freeman. Rob. Michael Michelle Fairbanks. <laughs> Delphi Blues. Elizabeth Story. David Fiola. Lieutenant Richard Phillips. Todd Meyer. Igisha. Igisha. Sorry. Andrew McClure. JJ and Jessa Tanagra, the pizza good. Thomas. Lieutenant Jonathan Meisner. Denise Kupferschmidt. No. Oh. Dylan Ekmalian. Jeff Weiner. Uh... Judge 439. Corey Quinn. Noah Whoa. Smith. Chief Astronomist Andy Puckett. Darren Gleaton. Edward Andres Acevedo. Mark Redenius. Steve Thomas. Daniel St. Louis. Melody, the one in Australia. Kieran O'Sullivan. Oh, boy. Ryan Hecht. Jerry Brown. Joel Greenbow. And the champ, Chamberlain. Kellen Adamson. Sully and Cash. Rutger Hauer. Tim Shields. Scott Watson. Dr. Boner Wizard. <laughs> Amber Schmidt. Tom Huckopian. Happy 40th birthday, David Corbett. You did it. You Good got job, to 40. David. You're Happy. our median age. Happy <laughs> 40th. Uh, Lieutenant John Lynn. Kvart on Facebook and Instagram. The Dude Never Bowls. Secunda of the House of Myra. Jacob Reichhart. Zach Crum. Erica Vanover. At Erica Laughing. Commodore 64. Stuart Allen. Story by Rick Berman and Ben and Brian Brock. <laughs> Werewolf cannot fucking wait for summer to end. Oh, you're with Matt on that one. Lieutenant David Landau. Uh, Joe Moore. Tim Collins. Thomas, Thomas Nettleson. Blaine Wakeley. Brian Rewinkle. Frederick Rombouts. Daryl the Animal Noy. Catherine. Jeff the Human. And Maximus the Dog. How long can a profile name be? This long. Well, this is longer than I would expect it. Good Lord. The letter is Seconda. Jesse Elliott, Tim Glover, Nick, Dan Billing, Lance Daniel, Helper, Alexson, Cruz, Jonathan Sourshell, Jonathan Leader, Lieutenant JM, Ted, Joe Blow, Waka 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 Waka. John, uh, Joseph Matthew, Mike Roberts, Cody Stanley, Stephen Cotter, Don the Don Donson, Jeffrey Child, Rob Baptiste, Biff Yeager is my spirit animal, and I respect you for it. Zach McGrath, Kyle Robertson. I, Dion, John Turin, Alex D. Gesslin, Joe's Joyce Hudson, uh, Carmen DeHoog, Eric B., Stephen McVicker, Aaron, William Temin, Adrian Carter, Marcus Erlinson, Lieutenant Andrew Reeves. Oh, yes. And we're going to keep going. We got Matthew Dillon, Matthew Smith, Matthew, Matthew Cutler, Matthew, Jesus Christ, my own name. <laughs> Rob Sabin, J.C. Shaggy, Ugly Bag of Mostly Water, Matt Schaefer, Jeff Millies, President Preston Foster, no matter what Matt says. Well, Matt says you're not 
the president. And oh Risa Kotchuk, Simon Harper, Ryan Solo, Seth Olson, Lucas Z, Daniel Stenred, Trek Barnes, Sofa King Cool, Matt Wipert. Chris Leopold, Chris DQ, ruler of the far-flung regions, master of the good versus bad pizza, holder of the sacred chalice of Jalex. Thank you to Marcello Vita. Thank you to the specific actor train. Oh, the specific actor trainee is failing, confronting with confrontation. It's a very specific <laughs> skill. Joe Sullivan, Jeff Jenkins, Alex Mitchell. Thank you to Wabash Kozak. Thank you to Peter Shern. Thank you to Jeremy, Kip Corbett, Lieutenant CD, Seth J. Bordreau, Andrew Polkrang, Lieutenant Aaron N., and Jarrett Sean Campbell. Joe Moran, a.k.a. Muscle Ripley, stalwart Neelix Defender, currently adrift in space. Thank you. Mike Laban, Scott Bradley, Brandon Callinger, Dick Warlock, Esquire. I love it. Uh, Richard Wilkinson, Alex Carrico, Andrew Barber, Joel Cude, Jason Brown, Ben Badenock, Cashmere Woods, Secret Hail, Andy said that guy looked like a nutsack, never forget, Gary Martinez. So true. That's my secret shame. CeCe Sadler, Zach Kerr, Zach Wilson, Tim Siebel, Kyle Thompson, Becca Shoemaker. Go, Andy. Uh, Becca Shoemaker, Gareth Case, Jet Jurgens, Jesse Hendricks, Derek Hawkins, Robert Denton. Thank you to Eric Mon, the Interrupted Tales podcast, Raymond, Dave Howe, Kathleen Guzman, Christopher P. Gill, aka the Chairman of the Board, Carl Dath, Kristen Scalisi, the Goddess of Carbs, Adam H. Thank you to Amanda Bootwell, Adam Rogers, Barry Wallace, Handiza Hakunde. I, I spotted it that time. Uh, Dan McLeod, Alexis Boussier. Thank you to Ring-a-Ding-Ding. It's Madoween, baby. <laughs> Keith Modela, Kim Vilsack, Brett Parsons, Katie Campbell, Gary Canavan, Heisenberg, Overcompensator. Uh, thank you to Fred Coppersmith, Vanilla Thunder, Ryan, not a Dr. Doom, Catface, Emily Eldred, C. Edwards, Kevin Cortecus, Ross, the Headless Thompson, Gunner McLeod, Herbert Aridia, Brandon Davis, Nate Richmond, Paul Brisk, Jillian Randles, Blake Petit, Robert Olson, the Kembles, Andrew Weitzel, Mary Mack, Derek Westover, Lissy D, Tony Rideout, Trekaholic, another Trek Star Trek podcast, Will Holesclaw, Jeff Mullins, Tyler Rosewood, Joe Fermanek, Jason Sinclair, Lisa Gomez, Stevie Marie Nickel, Alan L., Jason who thinks of Andy as my friend and Matt as my captain, Mark Mitchell, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, Steve Harcourt, Katie, Get the Cheese, The Sick Bay, Whitestone, Paul Sharp, Catherine Chimmins, Christopher Colbert, Eric Rumfeld, Dan Kostelik, Andrew Ingram, Chad Fate, Matt Weber, and Andrew Gibson, thank you. Rounding out the end, Jason Warren, Tish Wheeler, Daniel Perez, Matt Burke, Kevin Brown, Ben Roach, William Smith, Mike Webster, the Squire of Gothos. Thank you to Thomas Peering. Thank you to Brian Adams, Paul, Car- Paul Carley, Kelly Coe, Queen Elizabeth, the House of Simpson, Scott Austin, Anders, show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Peterson. Claudia, Brian Hellman, Karen Van Off, Veronica Wisely, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray, Mike Jones, thank you to Scott Burnett, Lieutenant Brett Euler, Lieutenant Stephen Small, Lieutenant D. Nettleton, Alter Luxon, Luxana, Troy, Medal of Valor, and the Sacred Chal- Chalice of Ricks, but least of all, Thomas Nettleton's brother. Christopher <laughs> Fanegi, Derek Atkinson, Sandra M., Mike Gaylord, Ron LeBlanc, 
Jeremy Miller, James Baker, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Frederick Rois, Jonathan Wentz, and Martin, Martin Hedegard-Peterson. Peterson, Jan Leppert, James Hetfield, Lisa McLisa, Neil Studd, Carolyn Land, D.W., Whiskey Ben 77, Chris Nedgewitz, Captain Crandall of the Inside Straight. Who knows where he is? We'll never see him again. Or ever hear of him again, I bet. Linnea Wynn, Shark Carbuncle, Cody Wampenkamp, Brian McLeod, Chris Love, Ian Buckley, Tim Cullen, Tony King, Luke Morgan Rowe, Scott Lieberman, Alexander Perry, Diane M. Martin, Robin Larson, Katya Woolishan, Chad Mathis, Simon, Tyson Klein, One of Thirteen of Subjunction, Jeff, Kelly Newman, and of course, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison. Never forget the OGs. This page is our first, the page of first uh, joiners. Yeah. First president. Now, is that if they're, they've consistently or if they, even if they've been in and out? They. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the case, thank you guys. The lastest is the bestest. Oh, Andy, we did it. We made a podcast. Thank you all. And now I have the fun uh, thing of this two and a half hour plus podcast, shoving it onto a server as quick as I can so you guys can have it for us. Matt, I just realized yes. we yes. forgot to do the trailer. Well, good thing everybody tuned in. <laughs> I guess it's like a bonus track now. It uh, is a bonus track. Uh, it is, uh, what is it next week? It's uh, Phantasms? Yes. TNG Phantasms, which is an episode I had not seen ever until two years ago. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, just, just maybe a little, it's not a, it's sort of a, a, like, as it's sort run of s- an episode. Yeah, it sort of slipped out of the out of the consciousness uh, mm-hmm. somehow. This is is this Safari? Yes, I need uh, I need to get a hold of uh, some Chrome here. All right, let's go with Phantasms. Whoops. All right, we're gonna take a look at the trailer. So anybody who's still here, congratulations. <laughs> You've won. Everyone who's not still here. We didn't forget the trailer. We just did it very late because we forgot it. <laughs> All right. Let me share the screen with a little, uh, little Secunda. I'm little Secunda. <laughs> Hi, everybody. All right. We're going to we watch go. a trailer now. Phantasms. Sounds scary. The playground of the imagination. No. Data. Where nightmares oh, are normal. No. Even for an android. <laughs> Who are you? do not know. But sometimes the mysteries of the mind... I recommend full psychoanalysis. ...may hold oh the boy. secrets of survival. The tissue is breaking down on the cellular level. Initiating dream program. On the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> this, uh... That, that professional voiceover cannot hide the silliness of that. that uh, uh, I hope you're ready for it, Andy. I hope, I hope um, we're all ready for it. It's interesting. It was so long ago they established data dreaming and that for them to circle back to it. Yeah, I was kind of like, didn't we go through that already? And then I guess we did, but we didn't. Anyway, I look yeah. forward to it. Good to see you all again. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Everybody, disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC.
and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President's Circle for $17.01 per month.